<laughs> and we have Catherine's perfectly useless mute button. Aaron is... Did he fall asleep? It's very strange. I'm not hearing you through my headset. Catherine, you guys hearing her? And I can still hear P.S.'s reindeer. That's her couch or something. Is it your hair touching... Should I put my hair in a ponytail? Do you have a post-nasal drip condition? I have to find a rubber band. I can't find one. Here's a Star Trek communicator. You just randomly have a communicator? Now I hear Darth Vader breathing. That's you on an average day. I found a rubber band. Hello. Okay, you're making the noise there. You're making the noise there. Okay, you guys cannot hear Catherine. Her microphone is not working for some reason, which is weird because it was working a second ago. Catherine sounds angry. Aaron, how's the keyboard? It actually sounds good so far, except for the fact that we just can't hear Catherine. This will actually be a first proposal. We'll have to have one host screaming into the microphone of another. Well, Catherine can hear all of us through her headset, yes? <laughs> just have her talk very loudly when she wishes to make a point. Why do I have a weird feeling this is not going to work? This is like the duct-taped episode. Okay, can I just point out the fact I posted on Facebook this morning my complaints about Deathly Hallows, and I got eviscerated by half the Bovinians. So yeah, I mean, I don't get why it was the greatest thing ever. I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was the best movie ever made. Yeah. It wasn't the best movie ever made, but well, it was very I didn't good. even think it was the best Harry Potter movie. Hold on, don't spoil me. I haven't seen it yet. I'll speak in generalities. The difficulty is like... <laughs> no, I mean, this could be any movie. If you take something that's meant to be part one, or you take something that's Okay, uh, I have read the book, so you're not really spoiling it. Yeah, it's not, there's no, how can you spoil the movie? I don't get this. Well, some people it's a book. Think, some people do think you can spoil the movie, but... Is it, do you think it's a spoiler to say that, like, such and such got cut, or such and such was not got cut, or I think such? it's a spoiler to say if things got added. Because that's spoiler. Okay. Sure. I mean, the thing so I- P.S. In other words, Roz is a spoiler. Okay, sorry, I won't spoil any more about Roz. Who's Roz? Watch Roz. Watch mind, Roz be the prophesied person. I wish I knew what the hell people were talking about. No, the Read thing is the, the character they added for the Song of Ice and Fire movie. Everyone thinks I gave up on it. That really didn't. I discovered that my Kindle has Minesweeper on it. And I've never in my yeah. life. It's fascinating. Now, the thing about the movie is it was never meant as a story to be a two-parter. So it's hard to take someone else's work and make it into a two-parter and make it a good self-contained movie. And that was... Problem one of three, I thought. What were the other two? The other two was I thought the exposition, the way they wrote the exposition, I thought was really, really lousy. And yeah, I can see that. I didn't like that. And the third one was, what was the third one? Uh, the pacing of the movie was incredibly, incredibly slow. I actually liked it. But then again, I liked the beautiful scenery. I loved the it. it. No, I don't mind slow. I, I just mind incredibly, incredibly slow. Like, slow was good. It was like, at some points, they took like seven seconds for a shot that needed three. I, I think I, I appreciated it because pre the movies, in my opinion, the previous ones have been going too fast. So it was nice to see one take its time. And the last Are you one, saying they all should have been double parters? Well, it's hard to because if you show part two alongside part one and you have like well no but we could have done without the dragon chasing but that's the thing you could show part one right next to part two and make it a five hour movie and that might be the best thing ever because it will just like build or whatever it's hard to judge Mm -hmm. it because it just kind of stopped it sounds to me like that's what they did it sounds to me like they shot it all at once and they just cut it in half yeah i mean they stopped it on a scene so like I was afraid they were going to stop at the scene before the one they stopped at that, and I just thought that was going to be ridiculous. No, but, I knew they would stop. I, I thought they would stop it, it where they stopped it. You mean stopping it before they get out of Malfoy Manor? No, stopping it right after. 
Oh, so like before the um. Yeah, I thought they were gonna stop on on Harry's face, and I thought that would have just been lame. No, there's like there's there's actually like a moment where you see the wheel. I actually Harry. wish they would have stopped it later. I kind of wished the the last thing you're left with is Harry trying to decide how his or Horcruxes. Okay. I mean, there's actually a, a there's a scene in it where Harry says we've been gone. You know, I met you months ago, and it actually felt like it's been months since the last time we saw him. There were there were just beats of it that the, they stayed too long on someone's face, or they waited too long to go to the next scene. It just felt like it dry. The place where Keza said everybody jumped, I like took a peek at my phone to see what time it was, and I was surprised that so much time had gone by. It didn't feel that slow. No, oh, if Ryan. that movie was in 3D, I would have shit my Ryan, yeah. pay attention to the chat. Call Catherine back. She's been waiting. Call Catherine back. She can't, she, isn't she standing four feet from me? She, I jumped. She disconnected from the call. She fixed her headset and microphone, and now she wants you to call her back. I'm surprised she didn't <laughs> tell me herself. She's actually... She did. Pay attention to the damn chat. I, it's an, it's, <laughs> okay, this, heck. this is an audio medium. I don't read during the podcast. But, I, I jumped because I saw it in IMAX by mistake. But it, by mistake. it, it wasn't in 3D, though. Yeah, but it's, it was big. It was really big. It was really big. It was really big. And I have to tell and when you, I say mistake, I meant I guess I just mean I didn't know it was IMAX because yeah, I just drive to the wrong theater. How'd that work out? No, it's 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 a, it's a normal movie theater that has some IMAX screens. Yeah. And I bought a ticket for the IMAX showing. Well, the thing that I you didn't, told me about PS yeah. is in most of the movies so far, haven't they released them at midnight? But on a Friday night, right? Or has it always been on? Well, I didn't know that, so I thought the movie came out Friday night and it really came out Thursday night. So PS is like, I got my noon movie. I'm like, I think you got the midnight showing. She's like, Oh my god, I got the what? <laughs> no, it was new. It was twelve forty. I don't think they would show at midnight at twelve forty. They would show at midnight at midnight. Brilliant. Because twelve forty isn't midnight, right? right? Well, no. I mean, last time I checked, it's like the old saying: if you do bad on the first question of a test, you're screwed because it like kills your, you know, your mindset or whatever. The the two scene two bits I didn't like were in the first scene, and they kind of threw me off of the, <gasps> the movie. What did you like in the? You didn't like the first scene. I thought the first scene was the best part. The second scene. I'm sorry. The second scene. Are you talking about? Let's not. I I didn't like um the 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 seven Potter scene. There was two bits in there that annoyed me. The oh. first scene answered the question I was I've been asking on Puffwa since the dawn of time. The question was: Does Voldemort want to sit in a big chair and rule the world from his chair? Does he want to stay in a dark room and pull the strings of other people, or does he want to have a senior staff meeting every Monday morning at seven thirty where Dana? will be served and he'll go over the TPS reports with everybody in this movie yes hey who wants to talk about Babylon 5 I was there at the dawn of the second season of the Performance Challenge it was a port of call for fans for a hundred fans it could be a dangerous place but we accepted the risk because the Performance Exchange was our last best hope for conversation this is our story This is Ryan. I'm this PBS. is Deathrill. I'm Catherine. <laughs> and I'm Aaron. Catherine is on laughing gas at the moment. Aaron is, well, his keyboard's here, so we're very excited to have him. Cog got an excuse from the teacher not to be here this week. She had a kid. She had a Yay, kid. Yay! Mazel Tov. So Cog had a son named David. She uh, either named her child after or bore the son of John Sheridan. So. There's also a random guy in CNC whose name I believe is David. David Corwin. Do you mean someone who's 
been there since the second episode of the series. Well, I say random guy is in he does not have very much of a important role rather than being yeah, fairly he's random, random and interchangeable. He's, been there constantly. he's not he just random. He's a constant speak. occurrence. He's like Bob King of Squirrels. He's always there. <laughs> I feel like we need to redefine the word random. Because in the wrong <laughs> circumstances, like a different definition. I feel like this, see, to me, Delenn is not random. I know who Delenn has a specific role. She is Delenn. Uh-huh. She is Delenn. She's not random. It's not like on the next episode, they could replace Delenn with a different character and still didn't be consistent. They could replace David Corwin with John Smith and no one would notice. So by that I logic, David Corwin's mother also... hates you right now. I just want to point that out. <laughs> by that well, she's logic, not born Natoth yet. The story takes place in the future. By that logic, Natoth is also a random character. Kind of. I mean, they kind of would see they established Natoth as the aide to Jakar, except then she disappeared. So I think Natath is more inconsistent than she is random. I have a question. played by a different actress, right? She does, and she plays a lawyer, too. I have a question. In many episodes of Battlestar Galactica, I can't help but know this, but there's an exo other than Saul Tai. Well, that's pretty random, isn't it, stupid Hilo? Yeah, I mean, there's another exo, and if I remember the series correctly, the ship doesn't blow up, you know, nothing horrible happens. Trains run on time, you know, without Saul Tai there. I wonder if he's replaceable. Well, no, random. see, it's one thing that you can replace in a job setting. Like, they could get another Membari ambassador, but they can't cut Delenn out of the story. Uh-huh, because David Corwin is not the one who is. They can he, get someone else. David Corwin has about, maybe if you type all his lines up for the entire series, it's probably consists of two pages. I would say that they, okay, how about we call him... Like, on the call. And we would like to welcome David Corwin to Poofwix. Two things I'd like to prove on. Number one, the actor got his own show after this. And number two, he has twice as many eyes as Saul Tai. Big fracking deal. What does that have to do with anything? I don't Yeah, what is that? He just likes to insult You're starting this podcast, like, attacking David Corwin. I'm not attacking. I just stated that David Corwin's name is the same as Incognito's son. So perhaps Incognito loves David Corwin and named her child after him. The utterly forgettable David Corwin. She named her child after someone who, if he died tomorrow, no one would care. I didn't. I didn't. I we're remember doing a very David. bad job of saying Cog. We're very thrilled about the fact that you have a new son. I remember. I was sort David of confused as how we got on to David Corwin I from there, know. but I was trying. To I blame PS. I blame PS too, and that doesn't. I blame PS too. We're very thrilled for Cog who is on maternity leave, as always at Puffwalt, we encourage people to come back to work as soon as possible or be docked pay. And we are a child-friendly environment. It, you know, for those pesky 3 a.m. feedings, we can podcast, and we hope to have, you know, little David set up with his little baby microphone by, like, Thursday, if at all possible. So, congratulations to COG. And I don't think we have any other news at the moment. My house is very Christmassy at the moment, which is unfortunate because this episode is going to come out sometime around, like, you know, July. I'm sitting with the Christmas tree. I have a Christmas tree on directly to the side of me here. I'm sitting on the same level as the Grinch and uh, Deep Space Nine. I have the Deep Space Nine ornament staring directly at me, so I'm very excited about I'm that. I'm staring directly at a silver bow or Santa Claus or R2-D2. 
Is it possible that this episode really will come out in July? It's a simple question of weight ratio. We'll have Christmas no. in July. I don't think there's a Babylon 5 Christmas tree ornament, and that depresses me greatly. I'll just make one out of rudimentary popsicle sticks I can find around the house. So, in this episode, we're starting from Ceremonies of Light and Dark. Is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're that is going true. to the end of War Without End Part 2. We can finally acknowledge it. We're going out of order here. As Sinclair opposed to stopping in the middle of the episode. Valen. We can say. Se- yes. I finally. Just, I just stopped for a second to make sure we were all on the same page or else I was like the worst spoiler ever. <laughs> that we can fi- I'm not sure what that was. Someone just farted through their mouth. That was a <laughs> snicker at you. <laughs> They're laughing at you. We can finally admit uh, what Death Roll and I were giddy over in the gathering commentary. The fact that that they retconned into the episode and they added in a line of dialogue. The first time Kosh steps foot or he rolls his little refrigerator self onto the station, he looks over at who he believes is Jeffrey Sinclair. It's really a Mambari, but whatever. And he apparently, according to JMS, thinks to himself, okay, the, the Santa is back, whatever that is right there is very loud. It's all coming from P.S. P.S. What you okay, I, I, t- I did touch it with my arm. Okay. So I won't do that anymore. <laughs> it was like very loud and sustained. If a person were to touch themselves, they would constantly be transported different places. <laughs> <laughs> he was very you good in the movie. Dirty look to uh, Ron when you do that, though. He was well, very... Aaron, you are wicked quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Aaron, give us a type. Ah, oh, there we go. He's alive. I've missed you, man. That's like seriously. It's like Aaron, like veld on a wall. Type to us. Type to us. Let us know you care. All right. Is that better? Yes. Yes. By the way, okay. Alan Rickman in the movie, fantastic. Although you know, if the actor gets any older, he's gonna need a cane to play Snape. But luckily, he's got one move up. Um, Isn't he like sixty-five? He's like seventy-three years old. I have no idea. But yeah, he's yeah. a little bit older than the character. Oh, I'm sorry. So uh, Kosh rolls his little refrigerator self onto Babylon Five, looks over at the Mimbari, he thinks it's Sinclair, and thinks to himself, until Za. Valen. And my thought is, I hope no one remembers he just called him Valen in the first freaking scene he has with Sinclair. I did not remember. Well, I'm I'm very glad. So that was added into the gathering, and there were little bits and pieces and and clues all the way through season one, which you got little flashbacks to in this episode, which is very nice. So Mm -hmm. Sinclair is Valen. So that's one of the things we learned tonight. And in the middle... Veer gets, like, almost married, right? Yeah. That, well, no, it is about that episode. There's little bits in there I love, but the actress who played Veer's fiancé, I literally wanted to take my own life with, like, a serving spoon every time. She's she fantastic. Spoke. Her voice? She was, like, umbrage trying to pick you up. Did you get my texts? Like, it just... She it, does, but it's such a good, like, completely It was creepy. Voice. It was creepy. It was very, very creepy. It's like you could imagine a young Bellatrix being almost just... Yes! Cold, dispassionate, not quite a maniac yet but very 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 creepy it's like at this point she's just excited she's like we get to kill things like isn't that great (laughs) i saved this one for you it was very hard to resist how uh, it's like she's talking about eating the last piece of chocolate but she i know when she speaks it makes me uncomfortable it's like watching your it's supposed to well it's successful it's like like every time she spoke it was like watching my nana on a date it's like it's it's weird i don't know like like, (laughs) i I was very good casting if that's what they were going for it's so that so that was um exceptional casting there so we have interludes of interludes and examinations i was going to say interludes of light and dark oh we have king arthur i love that episode we have the ship of tears tears war without end like there's literally that is like trying to spit across a football field backwards and hit a dime the fact that he was able to get that episode 
Jonathan park it the way he was, considering that the entire plot changed from the time he began it to the time he ended it. I think that episode is fabulous. And I just, impressive. I got it like a month ago. I was talking to PS 12 years after the original airing or whatever, and I finally got that episode. So if anyone here isn't quite What up, didn't you get before? I didn't get how if Ivanova was wearing her Army of Light uniform, and if she said the captain is dead, why Sinclair was on the station fighting with Garibaldi, and why, like, like it just, it seems like the when we saw the original Vision, that was when uh, Michael O'Hare was on the show, and I just figured that they didn't, or Joe didn't know how to work Sheridan into that, so he just kind of went with it and hoped no one noticed, and I lived with that misconception for like 12, 13 years, and I finally got it, like, November 2nd. Am I supposed to get what you got, or is that further... Well, I, no, I, I read... No, you have all the pieces in front of you now. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I mean, that's the problem. The, is the thing oh. with with Susan, she's wearing her new uniform, and she's saying the captain is dead. And then in the vision, Sinclair is there, and he's fighting with Garibaldi, and Garibaldi sends him off, and he continues to fight the shadows who are trying to board, and then we see the shuttle go out. Presumably, Sinclair is on that shuttle. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. But Sheridan is dead. The the visions are not incompatible. Right, the vision is... he didn't realize that. And and the vision is essentially, in in eight days or whatever, if we don't pull this off, you know, that future will will drop into place and Babylon 5 will be destroyed. Well, Sinclair is visiting, or former Ambassador Sinclair is visiting the station, so so if the future's changed, he would presumably still be there, and instead of, you know, going off to... Going back in time. He would would grab a gun and defend his old station. So that that part fit i never really i always just kind of wrote it off as you know just oh. unfortunate but it actually well, yeah. it, it works quite well so i was really kind of psyched to see that whole thing work together and the ps caught it it was um Delenn's dress yeah Delenn's dress and zathras was supposed to materialize in like a conference room and they caught him in like the cargo bay or whatever that was for yeah. time that was just they didn't have enough time to i honestly didn't remember yeah the zathras thing where they caught him the first time yeah it's, you know it's just something i forgot in the period that's of such a watching minor such a minor point. Yeah. It's like, why even why even nitpick at it, really? It's, right, you could say that, like, considering the magnitude of everything they did, yeah, like, you these could say, two like, points, because he sneezed, like the it sleeve changed. of the dress. Ooh, the yeah. sleeve. My God. Shut up. Yeah, now, the Zathras thing, maybe you have half a point, but whatever. Yeah, my Actually, I don't care about Zathras. I care about a dress. Yeah. Because I think it's just a minor detail that they could easily have done, and it's right there. You know, well, her arm popped out. They could have done both things. Yeah. They could have had him in the room trying to get the supply and then, like, walking into the next room not realizing it was a conference room or something. I mean, well, they said he appeared in the conference room, and I took it to mean the way that the spaceman just started appearing. Yeah, just sort of like materialized. Right. Even if the show had been exactly as JMS wanted it, he may have found that he had to do for time, so it didn't seem like it was you know just a problem with the writing over time. Uh, the only the one thing I'm curious if they did change was I I have to wonder if the one was originally supposed to be Sinclair, and now that you have Sheridan, you kind of morphed it into the three or the one because the only thing that seemed a little weird there was why Delenn randomly donned the blue spacesuit and, and rescues it. Yeah, like, I think that I think that happened because what I interpreted and I said this when we were did Babylon Squared was that when he says you are not the one I took that to mean kind of like Ryan, it's like the um Madame de Pompadour, you are not complete. Like, he's not the one because it's not time for him to yeah. be the one yet, but when he shows up the second time he's the one. Yeah. 
and they divide it into the the one who was, the one who is, and the one who shall be, and that actually will make a bit more. There might be more. I mean, it makes later. sense, but it's kind of you can if you know that they had to change the plot, you can tell. And there's a little more that you can look at this after the series and say, I wonder if the one meant this, and then you could say, oh, because there's a little bit more that you don't know yet. Well, there's a lot more you don't know yet, but there's more to it that um, that remains to be seen. So that could come into play a little bit. Mm. But I mean, I think they did that so that she could be the one too. Yeah, I mean, she took, what was it, she, Sheridan appeared, and, and he, she took his outfit and, and swabbed the things. That, I mean, there was no reason to do that, I, I think, other than she was cold or something and didn't have her jacket. Zathras has idea. Show him, Zathras did, so Zathras thinks. Perhaps power supply in suit will help activate time stabilizer. No, she, she wanted him to get stuck in time again. She didn't want him to go off again. But my thing is, she could have... I don't. Th- I think she could have just swapped the um, the time devices or whatnot. I don't think she needed to put the suit on. It just made it kind of. Yes, they did because the suit was what was powering the broken one. Oh, okay. Okay, I like that. that cause so that's what Zathras was doing with the suit. He he wired the thing in to use its power source to pull him back. Okay, that actually does make sense. So that that's how they changed stabilizers. No one ever listens to Zathras. Quite mad, they say. It is good that Zathras does not mind. He's even grown to like it. Oh, yes. Can I just say, because Danielle's walking by me now as we go to bed, would you be upset, honey, if we name our first son Zathras? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's multiple ways to pronounce that. Zathras. 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 Zathras Z. I, I think that'd be fabulous if we did that. I don't think any of, any of these are working. You don't think, I think so? He is such a memorable character because the actor who played him was killed in a motorcycle accident. But I think that just like the fact that he got to play Zathras, you know, was... was He's immortalized. He, yeah. Yep. For a that thousand years from now, people on Earth, unrecognizable to modern humans. Ten thousand years ago. A thousand years ago. Oh, please, God, let death will be out on this one. <laughs> a thousand years ago. I don't need to put the sound clip now because everyone just did it. <laughs> but I'm just exactly picturing right. like humans with like 14 eyes and seven nipples walking around on this planet in 100 million years, going Zathras. <laughs> and JMS will be like, "Yes," and they forgot about Star Trek. So I think that, would be <laughs> that it would be written off as a nice fairy tale. <laughs> Did they forget about David Corwin? He was the king of Lifetime Television for women. I want you to know that had his own show and everything. All right. So starting with um, ceremonies, ceremonies of light and dark. Light my and first dark. comment. Pound of flesh is used as an expression in here, and I knew I had to bring this up because of... Well, it works here. It works here. When did it not work? When Laura Roslin said it. (laughs) That's true. It didn't work when Laura Roslin said it. That is true. Because Shakespeare... um, Oh, Shakespeare probably copied it from somebody else. I say to thee... Now, the thing I love about um, this one we talked about last time is uh, Jerry Doyle, after the filming of the last episode, filmed the scene where he was doing the firefight and he broke his arm after he already filmed himself broken leg. So they <laughs> yeah. really have. So in this episode, he kind of walks. So he's like, "Oh, the leg's feeling better. It was the arm the whole time. Who knew?" <laughs> so they had to. Uh, Stupid Franklin made a mistake. Of the shock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you can tell he's selling that line. It was the shock. I couldn't feel it. Like 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 a half-assed smile there. Um, and it begins with uh, Sheridan. Uh, 
refusing to wear his Earth Force uniform because he's not going to wear it in name only, which, of course, you would think would make Ivanova feel like shit because she's standing there wearing the damn thing. So that's... Peer pressure times 50. So, but that, Susan you know, does not give in to peer pressure. She doesn't. She wears it for the remainder. She's Russian. She is. I, I got bumped in the head. I was in the firefight. I am Russian. I, it's warm. I'm wearing it. It's cold in here. So, you know what? I think Sheridan just seems like a guy who keeps the thermostat at 62. I don't know. I don't know what, what qualities about a person make them seem like they... Yeah, it sounds like you can say, well, what does Sheridan like to cook? Ryan has become Mike, apparently. I have. No, no, it is. I just spent Thanksgiving at my mother-in-law's house, and she keeps the thermostat at, like, 52 the whole time, so I'm sitting there, I'm like, Ugh. And she's like, oh, do you want me to turn the heat up? No, really, I like it like that. Well, speaking of suffering... Zathras is used to being beast of burden to other people's needs. There's a human in here who wants to make Delenn suffer, and he's a real nut job. That song he's singing, toe bone connected to the foot bone, foot bone connected to the ankle bone. He's really out there. I was hoping he would do the entire thing there. I'm a little disappointed right now. <laughs> yeah. He it, it went was far time. enough. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Catherine is slowly moving the knife closer to definitely. <laughs> um, I, what did you think about the, the the casting job? Because it's difficult to tell if they're so creepy they're good or if they're so bad actors that they kind of come off as creepy. I, I thought this matter? was pretty good creepy, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't tell because they were so over the top, and maybe you have to be so over the top. I just, I've seen better villains, so I wasn't sure if the Tobone guy, you you could argue he's like the lieutenant, he's just the dark, creepy guy, but the, the, the boss there, he, he just seemed a little too stereotypical. He's got, like, the thing with his eye and stuff. You know what he needed? He what? needed a cigar. I thought you were going to say a patch, like an eye patch, but that might be too close to home for PS. No, he, he seemed like a, a bad, moody character. He needs our <laughs> hostage situation. <laughs> no, that's Amelia Bones with the hostage. Oh, if he's Moody, <laughs> he needs he, he needs a fake eye. Amelia as being like Moody. What was that so. danger verse? Oh, hostage situation. Oh, yeah, it gets kind of oh. <laughs> the very <laughs> gruff, the very matter of fact. Arr, the pirate, you know. <laughs> Seeing as he's a pirate, he needs an eye patch. He doesn't need an eye patch. He needs an eye patch for his eye, and he needs a cigar. So some plot, uh, some plot business here. We have the uh, burial in space of the. Uh, I like the taps is still. I like that. Service. I like taps. Yeah. And, and the, uh, did anyone notice that the words that are spoken are the same as we had in an earlier episode where yeah, there was a yeah. funeral? Yeah, it was the uh, homeless uh, person who passed away in Ivanova and uh, Franklin. Ivanova said the words as Franklin looked on as, as he floated mm-hmm. out to space there. That was very great. Uh, Delenn is trying to put together the rebirth ceremony, but no one's interested in it because everyone's in a state of shock. Uh, Londo, because I have poisoned your drink. <laughs> that was no, the, awesome. the, the full quote. Why, why would I do this? Because I have asked you, because you are loyal to the Republic, and because I have poisoned your drink. <laughs> and unless I forget... I All good we, reasons. I believe, yes. I believe we get an amount of payoff in these episodes. The episode with Londo and... Yeah, Adira. that happens. Um, that was Ship of Tears. Right? Or yeah. Was it? Yes. Yes. Um, the I, I was sure, but I didn't want to give that away. So I was. I was. Well, it wasn't this one. Was, it was in this set, but it, it wasn't. Was in, yeah, this I was. One. I was second guessing myself. Londo was being played like like a drum, but it, the just the symmetry that he thinks this is, you know, Lord Rifa's payback here, and, and and I think it just works incredibly well as a plot point in that one. But it, it was really good here because he's desperately trying to take control of a situation he lost, you know, for the last eighteen months, two years, and it, I just thought that was fabulous. But the scene with yeah. Rifa there in the Zocalo. I've always maintained that Londo's mistake was in trying to send Mr. Morden away 
because Morden obviously was doing these things for his agenda. He should have, yeah. Londo should have been enough of a politician to realize that yeah, I was Mr. surprised would go contact that, somebody yeah. else. Yeah, well, I was very surprised he didn't realize that. I thought Londo would have been more perceptive than that or would have understood Morden more than that or would have realized that what he's dealing with is bigger than bigger than this. You know? How many people who have ambition or a degree of ar- arrogance don't see themselves as irreplaceable? Like Londo, to some point, you think this place could never get on without me. Londo may have that little degree where maybe he thinks that, you know, without him, more than will have no options or, or he, he, he's the, the linchpin to everything. I think he might think that, but I don't think he should have not thought that Morden would keep going. Yeah, it would have been a smarter thing to maintain his good relations with Morden and just or not that they call would come after him. him you know. Yeah, but I, although then it would be naive to think that he could keep that up and that Morden wouldn't come asking for more and more favors. It's your first mistake is joining the gang. The second mistake is you know badly trying to leave the gang. Yeah, it's like it's not going to be easy one way or another, but. Yeah, maybe he could have thought that ahead a little bit. Um, and then we have in this episode as well, we have um, Marcus. Yes, Marcus, who uh, I, he has the best line in here. He beats the crap out of everybody. Bugger, now I need to wait for someone to wake up. In, in a few minutes, you'll be the only one at this table. 30 seconds after that, you'll be the only one standing in this room or something to that effect. And he, he literally yeah. takes the whole room out because people tend, like with Ivanova, people tend to die on him. And mm-hmm. he feels that sense of response. I don't think Susan feels a responsibility for it. I think she feels like it's just something that happens to her, you know, her, her brother, her dad, Talia. With Marcus, there's the sense that he is the, the protector of the people who keep getting taken away. So he he's desperate not to let that happen to Delenn. Yeah, I hit it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, I'm glad we identified it. Otherwise, there was like yeah. a phantom reindeer living in your house, and that's just weird. Well, at least it would be seasonally appropriate now. It would be. I mean, I'm not sure what really the hell you could have living there in March. Leprechauns. <laughs> Can you picture a leprechaun living in P.S.'s house? It would be like a oh, monkey no. from Family Guy just pointing at her. Marcus has another great line in here. He says, I've always said you can get more with a kind word and a two-by-four than you can with just a kind word. <laughs> I love it. Like, that I know, made me very, very happy. He has a lot of great lines. Now, P.S., is it true in the beginning you didn't actually like Marcus? And maybe to this point you still don't like Marcus? No, he's all right. I don't really mind him. He's growing he's Just him. assume that P.S. doesn't like anybody. <laughs> I do. I'm like, no, P.S., what was wrong here? Because we're still not at that point. I actually like it now. I do. <laughs> well, you said that last time, and then you're like, yeah, I really do. You know, this one, I really, I, I've said that I think that this is the point where it's starting to hit its stride. I think it's getting, I think it's getting good. You tried to say you liked season two. Yeah, I, I have like evidence of this. You use the yeah, words I didn't very, like you use the words really, really, really good. Well, this is actually good. Okay, so you're not lying now. You were lying then. Yeah, I was lying then. Okay, well, I'm not really sure how we're going to tell you're not lying now, but we'll just have to do some type of urine analysis. Well, because you already told me that you didn't mind if I said it was bad. I didn't mind if you said it was bad before. I was trying to make you happy. After you finished breakfast, I thought we could spend the day watching the final season of Babylon 5 with director commentary. You hate Babylon 5. I do. It fails as drama, science fiction, and it's hopelessly derivative. (laughs) But you like it, and you're my friend. Oh my god, when did this marriage go off track? (laughs) Wow, we are... We have breaking news here on the podcast, <laughs> right? PS. Ryan and P.S. are breaking up. <laughs> we're, we're separated. Yeah, right. they have been married. They're breaking up. They're now separated. I can't see P.S. and I married. That would be really scary. That would be really weird. Can you imagine this household trying to function? Oh my god, can you imagine, like, our dinner? How was your day today? I brought Saul and Bill to a whole new level. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Salad's good. Like, 
are you saying to that? I don't know. I, I can't put that in the whole thing. I, I wouldn't say the salad was good. Definitely not. Yeah, just the Christmas cards. The, I don't know. The whole thing is... I, I can't see. But maybe. What about my Christmas card? My I Christmas cards are cute. I'm trying to picture what we would put in our Christmas card. And I can't... Like, the little Bill and the little Saul dolls? Like, I don't know. Wait, what do you mean put on Christmas cards? Like, if you if you send up personalized Christmas cards with photo on them. No, I send up Christmas cards with pictures of Santa Claus on them. Do you? Yeah. Okay. If you like that kind of thing, I guess. See, this is why we can't just, it won't work. P.S. A picture of Saul Tai wearing a Santa hat does not count as a picture of Santa Claus. <laughs> it's a cartoon picture of actual Santa Claus. Uh, uh, Do you want one? Are you, are you giving them away? It's Christmas. You send Christmas cards at Christmas. I was going to send you one. Was going to. Can you point out now that the marriage is yep. just <laughs> your feeling? You don't You're send Christmas, Christmas cards card to your husband. <laughs> Okay, can I just tell you, Danielle's grandparents, all right? Archie and Edith Bunker themselves. Her mother's parents are actually divorced, so it's her biological grandfather and his wife, who has always been quote-unquote grandma. And they are actually Archie and Edith Bunker, personality-wise, except she's not quite as defiant as Edith is, okay? Work that over in your head for a few moments. Every time I see them, they try and fit into the conversation the fact that I took their granddaughter away from them. So it, it kind of works its way into conversations, all right? And they say it lovingly, but... You know? It's like where they say it so often you wonder if they're really joking. Yeah, like when they call me at three in the morning and they say it, it's kind of hard to laugh off. So they send Christmas cards. And Danielle hands me the Christmas card that she got from the mailbox. And I see their return address on the Christmas card. And then she hands me another one with their return address. I'm like, all right. And Separate Christmas cards? No, the first one is addressed to both of us, Mr. and Mrs. And the second is addressed to just Danielle. But in place of her middle name, they wrote my name. So it's like Danielle Ryan? Yeah, it's weird. So I'm like, what the hell's going on here? So the first one, the one that was addressed to Danielle, is to our loving granddaughter. And it's this lovely, you know, note and all this stuff. And the other one is to our loving granddaughter and her husband. So as far as I can tell, they either sent us both a Christmas card and then sent one to her five-year-old self who in their head has never aged, or I got my own Christmas card and they couldn't find one that said to our granddaughter's husband, so they just got the one for the granddaughter and the husband and sent that one instead, figuring she could just get an extra card out of the deal. So I think I got a segregated Christmas card. Awkward. It's a little awkward. Poor Ryan. So now do you want me to send you a Christmas card that's just for you? Yes. Well, what I suggested she do is send one to Grandpa and then send another one to Grandpa and his wife and just send <laughs> Please do that. Yeah, it's like, what the hell is this? So, so that, that thing went down. And apparently, because this year uh, there was a um, administrative error in in my family, and I did not get the email about Thanksgiving dinner because it was sent to my mother. And I think the assumption was my mother would just tell me where we're having Thanksgiving this year because you know I'm not almost individual. 30. Yeah, because I'm not like you know thirty and married and a property owner, so you know people have to funnel these requests through me. So I did not go. I, I boycotted the event and hung out with Archie and Edith because I'm like, if you don't, <laughs> I love Catherine, because if you don't email me, how am I supposed to know where to show up? And this, and this is the functional side of the family. Like the functional people did this. So I'm like, I'll spend the day with the dysfunctional people, you know, her family. And I went there and aside <laughs> from the segregated Christmas card, it was, it was entirely functional. Now my side, like professional and everything is very posh and everything. So I, I I asked my mother later, how did it go with the functional side? And she's like, there was almost a fist fight at the table. 
Like, over what? Carrots. There was a fist fight over carrots at the table. Well, apparently what happened was one of the mothers brought her three-year-old daughter, who was petrified of dogs and eating outside of her own home, to a family Christmas party in a house populated by dogs and food, and stuck her at the table, she's three, and said, you cannot have your dessert, and stuck a tray of cupcakes in front of her, unless you eat five carrots and put five jumbo-sized carrots on the plate. The little tyke begins to cry because she wants her cupcakes now. The mother says, you will cry, and you will cry, but I'm not going to give you the cupcakes. Eat your carrots. She won't eat the carrots. Well, fine. I'm going to let you just cry it out then. So the kid starts shrieking. And the mother says, I don't like listening to this. I'm going to go in the other room. So goes in the other room and leaves the crying child at the table with everyone else at the party. After 90 minutes... The adults decide we're going to eat the carrots and pretend that she ate them because we can't take this anymore. So apparently, mom was watching, caught the adults eating the carrots, told them that they were interfering with her parenting abilities, to which they responded, what parenting abilities? And there was almost a cat <laughs> fight at Thanksgiving dinner, and I missed it because I was not nice. on, the, on the invitation list. That's really disappointing. Sounds like an awesome Thanksgiving. I wish I was there. I really, I could have held one of them back because they were ripping their hair out. It would have been fabulous. Well, the question is, Ryan, would you have participated in the carrot eating or would you have let the mother do what she chose i would have eaten all of the carrots and then screamed hey mother of the year we're ready <laughs> so now what do carrots have to do with delenn uh excellent delenn? question I don't know. delenn is an excellent cook delenn does not cook lanier cooks we remember this and then oh, we yeah. pray <laughs> over the food he has to start from the beginning a thousand years ago <laughs> exactly. no, no no not that it does not take a thousand years to cook the meal it takes three days it does at some people's houses Ooh. snap <laughs> so the last but thing we have house, in this right? episode here is that Franklin has finally admitted he has a problem with stims he might have a problem with stims he might yeah. oh, I he remember might? him shouting 13 a lot was that in these episodes just the number 13 he's just yeah it was the pressure that he said don't go below this and he said nine but he thought he said 13 and he screamed 13 13 it's like jms is so pissed that he had to not use bureau 13 he just wanted to scream (laughs) include 13 at every instance exactly well it's like what's the crazy number that's very common on trek all the time 47 47 there are youtube clips about it trust me i found them in one episode it comes up a lot (laughs) i have nothing else for this episode i thought it was interesting I will say, I mean, just yeah, I mean, there's the whole like changing of the uniform. That's an interesting point. And um, okay, Sheridan, because Delenn found Delenn. I'm sorry, I meant to say P.S. and I said Delenn. I'm not sure what that means. Paging Doctor Freud. Uh, P.S.'s issue with Sheridan was that you found him a little boring and non-decisive and all this stuff. What do you think of the absolute smackdown he lays on terrorist dude number two? I thought it was more initiative than he's sort of shown. I mean, I just don't find him all that interesting. Like he can you know do all the stuff that he wants we just i just haven't really clicked with him as much as i clicked with jeff jeff <laughs> try calling him john john you say john like you're holding back it's like i love you like it's one of those things like you can't quite say <laughs> john was that fine was that better that was better than was the better. first time the john 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 what's happening right now this I'm, I'm saying <laughs> it different ways 13 13 13 Zothros magic 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 okay um in episode 12 sick transit veer thus passes veer I love uh, this episode. <laughs> what is more dangerous than a locked room full of angry Narns? 
one angry Narn with the key. <laughs> Apparently, this is high humor in the court. What is high humor is Londo trying to kill a bug. Oh, yes, that my was... God. Indeed, it was. Like, to this day, like, you'll all recall a few months ago when I had the maggots, the maggots. all over the thing. Like, literally, I must kill them before they develop language skills. Like, that line has stuck with me for all time. Yeah. You, you are not as big as I thought you were. No, you're You are not, not as big as I thought you were. You are not the one. There are more of you. That would be a great <laughs> You are not the one. You are not the one. Not the one. Not the one. You are not the one. There are more of you. You are the one who was. You are the one who is. <laughs> they could do a whole nice. thing with this. It's awesome. Londo and the insect is hysterical, and he grabs the sword that is the same sword his friend gave that he killed his friend with, and now he's using it to kill insects <laughs> with. Yeah. Die! Whatever Die. works. It's like... <laughs> It's like in Harry Potter where they like a Vada Kedavra fly. But in this case, it's funny. Barrett's <laughs> kind of tragically morbid. Beer has an incredibly Susan racist has... fiance. Yes. Yes. She's Her also pretty insane. She is, if I remember correctly, the niece of one of the Centauri generals, General Morago. Uh-huh. It's very creepy how she has pacified the population. The, the language she uses is very unsettling. Yes, very, very unsettling. Yeah. They talk we about Narns as their animals. They don't recognize that Narns have intelligence. I mean, it's interesting because you think it makes you sort of wonder, what does Londo think? Because I think there's one thing when it's like you're removed from them, but like Londo has worked with Jakar like on an equal basis up until recently. So you wonder whether he, like what he thinks of Narns in general. Because he tends to jump back and forth because he seems, like, impressed that Veer would have killed 2,000 Narns and sometimes receives absolutely Yeah. I wonder if the him being or surprised that Veer was supposed to have killed the Narns is more that he is, like, less that he was distressed about the death of 2,000 Narns and more that he thought Veer could be better than him. Like, I always feel like Londo thinks deep down inside that it's too late for him, but maybe Veer can be... Like a decent person. The scale of everything that happened in this you know, galactic change. Considering how much much happened because he got irritated with Morden and said something that in hindsight probably shouldn't have said. Like when you think of all how offhand it was when he, the very first thing when Morden asked, what do you want? Like you think how offhand his answer was. Like he could have said, I want a Coke. You know, I mean. <laughs> Goes back in time. <laughs> when he asks you, you must say Coke. <laughs> Duck, go quack. I have been sick for the past two, three weeks. I just it took a turn for the worse, and now I'm getting better. P.S. is drunk. Aaron's asleep. I'm drunk. <laughs> oh, by the way, P.S., thanks for, for mentioning me as being the, the, the asleep one in the, in the Deathly Hallows Review podcast. <laughs> You're very welcome. And I've said this many times. You are not the first person to fall asleep on the podcast. You were the loudest person to fall asleep on the podcast. <laughs> and in the middle of what you said was your favorite fic. That's yeah. true. It's, it's, like, it's like how Rinna, how it's like I'm the drunk one, but like Rinna has been more colorfully drunk. Oh, she's been very colorfully drunk. I love have to drunk Rinna. She's hysterical. We left, the, we left the movie theater and Danielle and I are walking back to the car and she reaches for the door handle and she stops and she crinkles her face and she looks up like very confused like she just thought of something. Hold on, wait a minute. What movie did Charlie die in? And I look back there, I'm what? like, that was Melinda Leo again! Oh. 
Charlie's not. I don't think Charlie. I think Charlie's you not going like, to be in the movie. I don't like, think he exists in movie verse. You no, know, and my line actually was, "Oh, you mean down by the pier?" Yeah, that was Melinda. I'm expecting that as well. P.S. I'd like it for him to show up at the end, but uh, just so they they can round out the Weasley. Well, it, it was very sloppy how they were like, "Oh, hello, Bill." Well, to anyone who has read Curse of the Damned by Melinda Leo, um, remember how Narcissa got offed, and then go watch Deathly Hallows Part One. Just saying. I don't remember how Narcissa got offed. Or do I? I thought you were going to say how Narcissa got off and we were going to have to turn on the X-rated. We're already explicit. That's, that's, that's very fair. How she got offed in Curse of the Dance. And speaking of explicit, <laughs> Susan and Veer talk about sex. Oh my god. It's like, seriously, it got put <laughs> on her schedule. It's like 4.30 to sex talk. What I want to know is Veer, why, yes. it se- why do they come to Susan? Because Delenn went to Susan too when she was dealing with having hair Susan and hair. Just- just radiates this aura of yeah. come talk to me about private stuff. Yeah, doesn't she? She has one of those faces. I have one of those faces. People tell me things all the time. I'm walking by two women at work today. Oh, your hot flashes. Like, it's, it just happens. You look very sympathetic. I do. I Brian, look- how are your hot flashes? I just actually took off my sweater. You may know this for a second. I wasn't here. Oh, great. Now Ryan is stripping on the podcast. I'm not asking where <laughs> PS so uncomfortable in episode 36 but, or 29 or 47. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking I about. I did read a show note and P.S. Stripping was involved. Yeah, P.S. Strips on air in episode 29. P.S. Strips for Christmas cards? What? This is how rumors get started. <laughs> you admitted it. I have video evidence of you saying I stopped stripping. Was it probably audio? Evidence? Video audio. Yeah, Whatever. I'm sick. Shut up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like I love Veer describing about sex here. He's like, we have six. Um, oh my god. We have six. <laughs> I love how he starts getting what worked is up. Boy, like, who is and he's like, he's like, I've never made it past one. <laughs> oh, you did first base. No, no, we have six. <laughs> six bases. That's just so disturbing. No, I and three is like, oh! No, it's not. I don't think it's six bases, though. They no, have no. six penises, okay? Thank you, Catherine. Yes, for being very explicit. I wouldn't call that explicit so much as technical. You sounded very angry saying penises, though. Like, I winced. That's unfortunate. I did like the thinking about vasectomy wince. Like, it was... Mm. So. <laughs> yeah, I do love that. When you get to three, it's... <laughs> And she's very uncomfortable with this. She's just uncomfortable with the sex talk in general. With Veer and bodily functions with Delenn. She's Delenn. She was helping her enjoy hair parts of her humanity. No, there was issues with cramps. That was at the That's end of the really episode. That's not really enjoyment. I put quotes around it. We didn't see those. We didn't hear the inflection. I'd like to see how you enjoy it. No, you don't. Stop saying that. <laughs> We can all pray P.S. never gets any wishes. Yes, because that would be my first wish. What do I want? Mr. Morden goes to talk to P.S. I want Ryan to have a (laughs) second. I I think that's a great Christmas. Could you imagine, uh, seriously, if Morden showed up a year later, what do you want? I want my hair to stay straight. Whole different series from that one. I like the name that Veer makes up for himself. Yes. Abraham Lincoln. Who has the authority to approve transfers. He just makes them up. He hacks the system, invents this Centauri here, and starts transferring Narns off of Homeworld. It's pretty brilliant. And it's John. It's John, like, photoshopped to be a Centauri. Yes. Because that's what what, uh, Ivanova puts on there later. 
Yeah, she rounds out the profile a little bit. And you got to admit, a photo does make it seem more authentic. I wish I could have saved more. The only thing I wish is I could have saved more. And you just, it's like the classic thing. What do you do if you, if you work for the Nazis and you're a janitor and you think what's going on is wrong? What are you going to do to stop it? And how do you live with yourself after? And I thought that was really a cool way of adding Veer into the mix there. And I you just compared Veer to a janitor. A Nazi janitor. Yes, I do. <laughs> he is kind of a janitor. Well, he's an he's embat- not a well, he's janitor. A yeah, he's now former. He's an attaché. Okay, that's like administrative assistant. It means the same thing. Stephen first wanted to do a pilot for another show, so he was written, quote-unquote, off of Babylon 5. So he could go work on the other show, which I don't even think made it off the ground, so he came back. But that was why they wrote him the fear becomes an ambassador plot line. And I think time yeah. is up here. But And the thing about well, writing think- somebody out of the show like that is you can write them back into the show. Right. Yeah. I'm curious At least they happened. didn't kill him. I'm curious what would have happened if the show like took off, because you kind of need Veer. So it's kind of like, hmm. Really well, I think they could they could have, I mean, not having seen any more than this, I don't think Veer is crucial, but it's a nice... You know, it's nice to have. They could they could have promoted David Corwin. Yeah, it made him a Centauri. (laughs) Made made Jada Centauri. (laughs) No, they could make him Abraham Lincoln, and he actually has to play him. And he he comes in. He comes in with his budget and stuff like that. That'd be awesome. And just have Corwin. You don't do anything around here. What the hell do you do here? Well, he talks Jakar about when the station is jobs off center. Before. True. I mean, true. so you know, it's not he unheard of. Part of the Inaran security force. Everyone, he offers everyone a job in the Inaran security force. Everyone knows. <laughs> well, they need a lot of people. <laughs> they have a lot of job openings. Over. They don't offer dental, though. You know, the war. It's nice, nice employment to know that you could get a job with the Narns. Promised burial. What recession? Come on. You will get a paid funeral, courtesy of the Narn regime. Last point on sick transit at Veer is that Veer fights a Narn in hand-to-hand combat. I don't remember this happening, but it's in my notes, no, therefore it, does, it must because, be true. As I recall, John and Delenn are having uh, dinner, and they're about to kiss for the 60th. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and of course, he shoves Lipisty behind him, and he fights. Yeah. Right. What, what use is security on Babylon 5? They call the captain. Um, someone's being stabbed down the hall. Can you take it? You know, because we can all security, you know. They're in Londo's quarters, you know, with the right. Because we have no security in the ambassadorial wing. Exactly. It's like, doesn't Sheridan have, like, some type of security detail? No. Like, no guards, no alarms, you know, just... The captain has to. Well, Veer fighting is just amusing because he does, like, the very wild... Like, he's two seconds away from doing, like, the slapping thing 12-year-old girls do if they're fighting with (laughs) Oh, no. That's awful. Yeah, like, he's... Well, actually, 12-year-old girls probably will, like, stab each other today, but (laughs) back in the day, they used to do the slapping thing. This is the future, Ryan. (laughs) Exactly. And I I love Veer, too. Get behind me. And she must be thinking, okay, you're basically not going to really help me if he goes out. When she can... She can probably, like, kill him it's absolutely the gesture that counts there. And that just makes her love him all the more. And that's what's another thing that's creepy about Lindesay. She is genuinely taken with Veer because he's sweet and noble and he's a little confused, but that's okay. He'll get better eventually. <laughs> they'll, they'll teach him right. If the sound of Michael Gambon in Gobble of the Fire could make that entire audience of women infertile, the sound of her flirting with Veer does make me shoot blanks. That's the only way I can possibly describe the effect that woman's voice has on me. She's just creepy. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't have any kind of 
kind of effect like that on me. I thought it was a pretty good actress. P.S. continues to be fertile after watching Goblet of Fire and this episode. We're doing well. You and P.S. are pregnant? (laughs) Apparently not if he's watched the thing and become infertile. Uh, Hold on, I'm infertile? (laughs) You just said... Isn't sterile the word we use? I'm not sterile. That is not the episode title of this episode. The episode title is not Ryan Sterile. But it's going to be in there now. I just know it is. But I don't think Ryan is not I call fertile. the edit on this one. Because Ryan is not fertile, correct English. I don't think it is. I don't think a guy can be Ryan is infertile. Or a Ryan. I don't think that works either. If I can't be fertile, I can't be infertile. No, I don't think guys are fertile or not. They're I think sterile. they can be sterile. Right. Yes, so women can be fertile. Right, so Men can be sterile. We're confirming, though, that I'm not can women be sterile. sterile though, right? like yeah. Saying Ryan is sterile. Well, I don't like that. That's gender inequality right there. You know what? When you have cramps on a monthly basis, then you can start calling gender inequality. Definitely say you're sorry now. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter if you were wrong. Just say it. <laughs> no. Okay, moving on. <laughs> 13, Um, a late delivery from Avalon. And before we discuss this one, can I just say that I had to persuade PS to carry on with the viewing of these episodes. She was ready to give up after last week's. And I, yeah, well, I got her on the phone and I pulled out the, uh, the episode summaries and I went through, I was like, okay, in this upcoming batch, cause at this time she had not watched the end battle sequence of Severed Dreams. I Which asked her, cool. so much, did you enjoy the big battle at the end? She's like, I don't remember a big battle. <laughs> this is what I think happened with PS. I think I, I think I made sense of this. What I think PS thought was that in Points of No Return, Point of No Return, my favorite yeah, Point of No was, Return, in Point of No Return, you know, at the end, you have Sheridan do the switcheroo and he brings out the Nar and he locks everyone in the broom closet because the president didn't issue the order. I think she thought the Civil War was over. End of that whole plot line with Earth and everything. And that was just over there. And then. Yeah, I thought that was the end of the arc because you said stop there. Because it was dramatic, but that wasn't the end of it. So I think she thought that was it. it. So then it when wasn't she watched, the last one, though. So Severed Dreams was the last one. I think when she was watching Severed Dreams, she thought like it was pretty. It was a new thing starting. Which is, if you watch it, I don't know how the hell you can think that. Well, I thought it was weird. Well, <laughs> I thought they fixed this. Why are they still shooting at each other? But, you know, P.S. had problems with the, with the last set of episodes, and she's not looking forward to this upcoming set that we're having tonight. And I pulled out the summaries, and I'm like, okay, in this batch of episodes, I think you're going to like not Ceremonies of Light and Dark. You're not going to like that one, but you will like Sick Transit Veer. You will like a late delivery from Avalon. You probably won't care about Ship of Tears. You not will. really. You will... <laughs> Catherine, you will watch like your man carefully. Someone's after him. Keep going. You will like interludes and examinations, and you definitely will like War Without End. And she's like, oh, "Okay, yes. I'm gonna I watch spent them. money on this show after seeing those episodes." She bought a book. <laughs> she has told me she has no intention of reading interludes and examinations. Though, Wait, did I say? I did not say that. I said I was buying it now to make sure I got a copy, but I wasn't going to read it until I finished watching the show. Yeah. Fair that enough. doesn't no, mean I have no intention of reading. Let's do the twelve-year-old girl slap. Come on, come on. P.S. You you bought uh, to dream in the city of sorrows. Mm-hmm. Now this book we have mentioned on the podcast before. It's the one written by Mrs. J.M.S. Mm-hmm. and tells the story of Sinclair and Catherine Sakai and strangely enough Marcus Cole from 
the season two up until we see them in where would that end? It's considered canon by JMS, and there is a, literally a throwaway line in season five, I think, that kind of sort of a little bit supports what's in the story. It's open-ended, but it, it, it's definitely considered canon because, you know, JMS is sleeping with the author, so everything in there is solid. <laughs> <laughs> what great justification. Exactly. It's completely, completely solid. None of the other books, other than the trilogies, uh, share that. So, definitely solid. So, late delivery from so, Avalon. Yeah, I, I really love how Mike has a problem with the post office here. And despite all that's oh. going on, the mail is still oh, running. I'm sorry. We forgot from Ceremonies Light and Dark, Garibaldi had to reset the password in the station. Computer. Oh, my God. Oh. What the hell is wrong with us? We call ourselves podcasters. They, they have to reset reset the station passwords and for some reason this involves turning the mainframe off they reboot the mainframe and the computer comes back online and it's got the artificial personality that that was turned off and it's for obvious reasons (laughs) now why would they design such a thing they wanted it to be user friendly and they wanted it to you know not be just boring separate the computer they wanted it to be like your butt the encyclopedia galactica defines a robot as a Mechanical apparatus designed to do the work of a man. The marketing division of the Sirius Cybernetics Corporation defines a robot as your plastic pal who's fun to be with. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy defines the marketing division of the Sirius Cybernetics Corporation as a bunch of mindless jerks who'll be the first against the wall when the revolution comes. I think it could be boring without being like it is. Seriously, I mean, I think- it, how user-friendly is a computer that second-guesses all of your decisions? There's someone out there who had a brother who was a used car salesman who wanted to have a little fun with everybody, so he modeled the oh. thing after his brother Larry or whatever the hell it is. Oh, and, God. Yeah, it just came, like, stand up straight, your mother and I are very worried about you. Why are you letting these people poke at me? Boom! <laughs> I mean, I thought that was absolutely fabulous. I mean, Garibaldi, I think, gets all the whack job humor plot lines this season. They're trying to break into the post office to get Mike's package from Earth, and he's got, like, oh, it's got salami and pepperoni and all the all this stuff. And uh, is it Zach who's with him when they go to break in? No, it's another guy. It's another guy? Okay. Um, is it David Corwin? No, no it's I not David it Corwin. It's another security guy, and it's... It's one of our regular security guys that we've seen before, I think. He looked easy. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. He, I'm not sure of his name. I thought it was Zach. It wasn't Zach, like you know, chief. You know, going up against Earth is one, but this is the post office. <laughs> yeah, we went up against Earth in two carrier groups. Yeah, but this could get us into real trouble. <laughs> Well, I just love the fact that, like, you know, communication with Earth must be to some extent cut off, and the government, you know, Clark wants to crush the station beneath his boot, but somehow, like, the Postmaster General cannot get involved because, like, you know, we can touch yeah, everyone well, else. Clark we- needs somehow to deliver the written notice of, you will surrender now. Yeah. I just think it's great. Clark will go up against everyone but the Postmaster General. <laughs> Postmaster General is scary. <laughs> yeah, remember on uh, Seinfeld, Kramer did the one? He's a Postmaster and a General. That's right. The great yeah. Seinfeld episode, if you haven't seen Kramer decides to take on Post Office. That was on the other day. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. There's, there's this other show called Babylon 5, I think we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. It has a Postmaster in it, too. 
quite a while ago that triggered the Earthman Bari War. We we speculated this before, but we get confirmation in here. It happened 15 years ago. In and if it's currently 2260, that would be 2247, uh, 45. <laughs> wow, wow. The man's a and chemist. It, He's not a math. It, I need a calculator for the simplest math. You have no idea. And it ended in 2247 because the framing story of of the gathering picked up in 2257. So it it took two years for the war for them to kick our asses. I'm surprised we held them off for two years. They were taking the scenic route around Lake Winnipesaukee. Oh, it's so nice up there. They needed time to find our solar system. They didn't know where we lived. (laughs) That's that's a pretty good idea if you're fighting a war. How would they know? The Centauri's can sell the information to them. They can't look it up on Wikipedia. They can't map quest. Well, they captured Sinclair. They kind of grabbed one other guy and said, "Point home." <laughs> they were already at Earth. <laughs> they captured at that point. Sinclair at Earth. Well, I know, but you, yeah. didn't, you didn't mean they couldn't have found three or four guys before they got there. <laughs> like that just seems wrong. I don't know. I it's don't, a plot hole. I don't know either. But I it's wrong think. that Earth wasn't destroyed, Ryan. Ryan would prefer that the Earth have been destroyed. Okay, BSG fan. Speaking of that, read Dark Distorted Mirror when you get done with this series. Yay, plug. So Jakar and Arthur are two of the greatest characters I have ever seen put together on the screen. Well, it's like Jakar, <laughs> he needs almost like a goal at this point. He needs a quest. And Arthur has that particular oomph. And they made a most delightful thump when they hit the ground. It's <laughs> awesome. I absolutely love that. Well, I think he does such a great job because at some point you don't care that he's not Arthur. I mean, Jack the Ripper was Jack the Ripper, so for all you know, maybe he was Arthur. At first I was like, oh, no, it's another one of these. And then when it was found out that it's not actually King Arthur, I thought it was fantastic. What do you mean another one of these? I've never seen a series where the actual Arthur comes back. Well, she thought it was Jack the Ripper again. Another, yeah, another thing where it's Jack, Jack the Ripper. Uh, okay. They saw they were using the same plot device again. Yeah, I thought it was going to be the Vorlons had gotten King Arthur too. You think they have like a boat just floating out there with all these famous? Dr- it's like full cool of famous people. Oh, Shakespeare next, boat. Mark Twain. No, not a, not a boat. Maybe a boat boat. Is it a boat of tears? <laughs> <laughs> and he was the guy who started the Earthman Bari War. And I actually would have thought it was interesting if it was the captain of the ship that gave the order to shoot. I thought it was more interesting that it was the guy that pushed the button because, like, traditionally you think it's not his fault because he's just following orders, but he really, he felt like it was his fault. And it's also interesting because this implies that the captain of the ship, well, he could be dead. It also, it it sort of semi-implies that this guilt is not felt by the captain of the ship. Yeah. I thought that the way it was presented was that he panicked and fired without orders. No, I might be thinking from, because I'm thinking of uh, in the beginning where you actually see the events, and I believe... No spoilers. Been, well, no, it's, I mean, th- there's an Earth Memory War you started in this episode, but I believe that... <laughs> Ow! Snorting her. <laughs> wow. This is why she doesn't get what's going on. She doesn't watch the show because she doesn't want to spoil herself. No, he was starting to talk. I didn't know whether he was going to talk about, like, because he said, <laughs> the mo- you're talking about the movie in the beginning. Yes, but it tells the events that you're hearing about in this episode. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. That'd be Hence, in the beginning. In the, in the beginning. Okay. Thousands of years ago, in the it's beginning. It's really 15 years ago. 15 years ago. Yeah, 15 years ago. 15 years ago. That's the impression I got by the end after everything was sorted yep. out. And I like it that way, too, because otherwise then the entire war, war was a mistake versus someone making a bad call. How is a bad call not a mistake? The captain gives an order, and based on the order, this will either end well or end badly. And because of, you know, luck, it ended badly versus someone who, like, you know, slipped and hit the button. And at the end there, he needs some degree of forgiveness, and the only character who can provide it is Delenn. These people were pretty much the target. Well, she was on, the, wasn't she on the ship, too? Yes. Yes. Because she was there when Ducat died? Yeah, she, yeah, she was right there. She held him as he died. His blood is on her hands. Yes. Because and his fire in her eyes, and she will break sticks. <laughs> or attempt to break sticks. <laughs> yes, attempt to break sticks. I would break a stick if I could. I thought it was. I thought it was a really brilliant episode. In that you were, you're absolutely right that you never, you never think of the perspective of the guy who fires the shot. It's always, you know, the general, you know, giving the order, or you just see random guy number six gives the shot, and you don't ever think about it after that. Yeah, it's always about the agony of command. It's Picard and his introspective moments. And yeah, exactly. It's never the lower decks. Well, it's something that JMS even thought about, because even in Severed Dreams, the big deal is Sheridan's going up against Earth, and you know the command staff will be killed if this doesn't work and all this stuff, but they're sending out their own Star Fury pilots and telling them to shoot at their brother Star Fury pilots, and Ivanova even says, we need to be out there with them. We yeah, can, one of us should be there, if not both of us. Yeah, imagine being one of those Star Fury pilots, and you might be going up against your brother-in-law, you know, who works on the... On the or the guy you went to school with. On the road, mm-hmm. yeah, because Major Ryan, he knew the captain of the ship, he just blew up. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's so, still hard, but no, Susan was right in that situation. It's necessary. It's a symbol, but it's yeah. you need that. Otherwise, you, you can't ask those people to do it. I mean, granted, they are the ones firing the defense grid and all of that, and the big guns from Earth Force R&D, but, hey, you know, whatever. Well, it even reminds me of something, too. Isn't it true when they inject the needles or, or whatever, and, and they and they kill the prisoner, if there's one needle, like, three people hit the button so that one person won't know? Yeah, the one that's that, true. Yeah, they, yeah they, trying to insulate people. Obviously, in war, you know, soldiers shoot their guns, and, and they kill people, and it's something they just have to live with, but yeah. how hard is it to have shot that particular bullet it's it's it was definitely a, a very very strong episode in the batch i like it and for pretty much a standalone episode it was mm-hmm. tremendously strong mm-hmm. in that rigor and there was a lot of questioning i remember at the time at the end was it franklin and uh, marcus are talking at the end and marcus is trying to pick, pick who in the king arthur legend each character represents if that was foreshadowing towards towards future episodes and stuff we have a boat of tears here's a boat, boat. boat. and the first thing we see is that isn is back on the air state-run propaganda i love the yeah. actress they got to play the announcer she has that sickeningly sweet voice. The umbrage voice. It basically makes me... So you didn't like when it was Linda State, but you yeah, like this? You want umbrage for this role to really get you going. Yeah, because it's propaganda. I mean, it's, it's... Yeah, this is a good place to make me sterile. Back then, not so good. This, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, this... How? I miss <laughs> 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 for you on date night when you pick a comedy what's it like <laughs> ow, ow. 
No, Normally it's only I don't she's have got a... a cold right now. Sailor's <laughs> list again. It's only when I have a congested con- congested head. Damn it! <laughs> I hate you all. Oh, so ISN is back on and you hate and 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 people almost throw rocks at the screen, the one screen that has l- been left intact over all the riots and everything. I have to feel as that the crew is still glass half full because they're like, "Isn't this great? ISN's back!" Yeah. Well, at the very end of ISN's former run, you know, they are starting to to let on what's actually been going on, and so well, then they shot that- them all, <laughs> and then they shot them all, and so there's this glimmer, tiny sliver of hope. And okay, yeah, you could see them as half full. But um, you got to figure that in the situation they're in, they're grasping at straws. You know, any Mm -hmm. good news or the potential of getting good news has to be celebrated. Otherwise, it's going to be a long time between celebrations. Even the fact that ISN is back on the air is a sign of return to normalcy. Exactly. You can make an argument if you're completely cut off from your enemy, there's that angst of not knowing what they're doing over there. So even if you get the bad, at least we know what they're trying to do and we have more information than we would otherwise have. Yeah, every so often the truth does get through. Yeah, it's like listen to commentators you agree with and the ones you hate so you know what they're saying about you. I mean, yeah, and yeah. you, you want to know what they're saying. Yeah. You got to know so, how they're, if you can get past the spin yeah. to what actually went on, you can think about it and examine what <laughs> I'm picturing Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. Welcome to the no spin zone. Now the Clark administration is trying to tell you that <laughs> <laughs> those pinheads up there in the room. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh god! You guys broke death. <laughs> oh, I'm all right. You wouldn't think that was possible. <laughs> No, all right. no, oh, can oh. I just tell you, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm the, broken in episode 29. No, in um in the de- we just um in Deathly Hallows, which I just saw, they they did uh, Tale of Beetle the Bard, and they did the Tale of the Three Brothers, and they showed you the thing. Every time, like, and Death was very angry. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> I know him. We tight. Oh my god, I'm dating him. Oh my god. <laughs> I have a question. Around the house, do you call him Brian or do you call him Death? We must it's Brian. It's Brian. Well, I have to keep remembering to correct myself every time we're around non Pufflanians. <laughs> you got to realize I met him at work, and so he introduces himself at work, a professional organization. Of course, I am at- deaf. Not as deaf. <laughs> exactly. So, um. Yeah, the hooded robe isn't exactly covered <laughs> under the company dress code. Although I think it would constitute a lab coat. Business casual crush. Yeah, I'm imagining Death like the the Grim Reaper, like dressed in his black robe, but with a lab coat over it. You know what they're picturing <laughs> in the scene where they told the tale of the three brothers? If Death had a giant mustache, like, <laughs> like <laughs> this is all hood. silhouettes and stuff, and like you know, and, I think that and a mustache. Yeah, exactly. I We also get the new Thunderbolts are revealed in this episode. The uh, from the Churchill. Yes. Oh yeah, the new. Star oh Fury. yeah, these are the Star new version Fury. of the Star Furies. How did you forget the name of the ship? I was wondering whether Thunderbolts I never like, was it. just the name of it, like uh, the name of the new ones, because like obviously no, Ryan might know more than me, but apparently Ryan was wrong. They did not get a separate name because they say, "Where's the captain? He's being checked out in the new Star Furies we inherited." So there from. is no Thunder. 
Thunderbolt, I was right. No, yeah. they're called, no, they are called Thunderbolts. I'm wondering. No. Where? You're, you're on track. Why did they say Thunderbolts? I'm pretty sure they're called the Thunderbolts. I am referring to Google. Look it up. You know what Babylon I'm wondering? That's like saying if I leave my job or whatever, you know, the guy who replaces me is the new Ryan. I'm no, it's, if it's like the new Star Fury. No, because, oh my god. Am I right? You're right. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> oh my god, he's right. Right down the date and time was what she was really thinking. There. It's December 1st, 923 p.m. <laughs> Ryan was right about the Thunderbolts. What the hell? Well, see, it's still not... It's still not like being the new Ryan. It's like the new Mac. You know, like they come out with a new one and it's still a Mac. And they well, don't they have to call the, it something else. And they could be the Thunderbolt class Star Fury and maybe the. Yeah, that's what they're, they're still Star yeah, Furies. What it is, it's I'm like, here on Wikipedia Star Fury. It's a kind of Star Fury. They have the types of Star Furies are Medium Fighter, Stealth Fury, Heavy Fighter, Thunderbolt, and the Forklift. I'm not sure what the I want the forklift. No, is the forklift <laughs> the thing that has little arms and they can reach yep. and grab shit? Okay. Yep, yep. Yeah, the medium fighter is the one we've always seen. The yep. stealth fury is the Black Omega. Yeah, which is what the heavy fighter is the ones that the Hyperion had. And yep. the Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt are the these one new Ryan ones likes. here. Yeah. And then and the, the forklift. forklift is the one with arms. And there's also the Badger. The names really started sucking. Helga Hufflepuff How do you go is from the actually. To the yeah, I'm trying not. To the I'm sort of skimming this, but it says that the badger appeared in in the beginning. So these are the old ones. Uh, okay. The old ones. I'm so thinking of something black. I'm just. Picturing you mean the one that has Bester in it? No, I was hoping somebody would pick up on. Stu would have gotten this. It's uh, a line from Voyages of the Thinking Cap. The voice of Helga is always thinking. Let's play twenty questions. I'm thinking of something black. Oh, is it a badger? Yeah. <laughs> it's always a badger. I'm just thinking of the naming. The naming just cracks me up. It's like being in charge of well, see, the U.S. You know, it's Miller one thing. Fillmore. Actually, it's one thing for the. It's one thing for the names to get worse because, like, you figure they ran out of cool ones, so they went to the badger. Yeah. But they started out with the badger. Okay. Well, it's like the, why would it's they? Like, do that? Well, it's like naming the, the the Mac operating systems. They started out with Tiger, and then it's no, no, like then no. they went to Snow Leopard before Safari. Lion. Like, why yeah, would you go no, to Snow Leopard before Lion? No, there was a stupid named one in the middle there. Then Jim, got, well, <laughs> like not a cat, or no, it is. A it's like a cat. stupid name. It's like a, it's like a random one. And you can tell they started running out because they went like from leopard to snow leopard. Yeah. But, well, yeah. what I'm saying is, be they, why did they go from leopard to snow leopard before going to lion? Because I think they realized they were running out of names. Well, snow leopard was a minor update, so maybe they just made a minor mm-hmm. change. In the name. But there's like, well, P- I like, I like snow leopard because it has What's snow it? leopard. It's like Pima or P- Pinto it's, or whatever the hell it was. They had like Pinto is a horse. Like, the 10.2 was the Pinto is a car. Yeah, and a, car. a horse. What's, what's the 10.2? They named the car after the horse. Or they named the horse after the car. What's the 10.2? Not so much. The 10.2. Huh? See, she's talking like me now. It's like we're dating. The 10.2. I'm searching I'm, I'm search for a Mac operating system. In the meantime, so Aren't you learning about Mac? Aren't yeah, you learning about the Mac? The Mac I like the Mac. I like it a lot. She called it Mac. Oh my god, it's not the Macintosh <laughs> system anymore. <laughs> So, speaking of Star Furies and the Black Omega in particular, Jaguar. our friend Bester is showing up again. Is it Jaguar? No, Brian, is that what you think of no, Jaguar? Before Jaguar. Okay, we'll find that out in a few minutes. Keep talking about Bester. I was trying to, but someone interrupted me. It would be the little one over in the corner. Fran, I believe she's called. Oh, Mr. Chef! 
Damn. Shut up, Death Roll. <laughs> it's not Death anymore. It's Shut Death Roll. Need to, oh, she's using my full name. <laughs> full Jethro. name. Death yeah. Roll. <laughs> Puma. Ryan Puma. Puma is not random. Puma. It fits the theme. It's, Puma is a type of cat. First of all, so, hold on. First whoa, of all, whoa. it's pronounced Puma. Maybe not you Puma. say Puma. You're from Maryland. It's Puma. Maryland. I'm not saying Puma. You just did. I'm not saying what Dex says. Well, then you're wrong. Maybe talk, you're wrong. Okay, Bester's, oh my, come on, just do the slapping thing. Right, um, Let's talk about Bester and how he arrives on an Omega-class Star Fury. He's, well, not really. Omega-class. class. It's, it's a, a thunderbolt. No, it's not a Bester arrives. Bester he has arrives. important information Bester on the shadows. And for the first time in three seasons, we can shoot him and not get in trouble. It's yeah, like, and they can't because he's... <laughs> yeah, they want to... Th- <laughs> he says, if he even squeaks, you throw him into... No, under the brig. <laughs> <laughs> under the brig. <laughs> that made me particularly happy. And I like how Susan slaps him across the face mm-hmm. for whatever what comment slap? Was it? Was it? Was oh, it Ryan's... It, no, it was cool. a real slap. No, Susan doesn't need to do that. Susan will just eviscerate. She'll mess you up. Bester declares himself the enemy of the shadows, and you know he's got his own little plans going on. But he's become aware of these other things going on, and he he doesn't like that they're interfering with his plans. And I think it's very interesting that Bester considers himself a patriot. He cares about his people, his telepaths, and he's not a lot about to let the shadows or anybody else mess with his grand vision for them. The Vorlons were interfering with, with humans, and as they were doing so, telepaths developed, and we never really knew what the, what the motive of the, of the telepaths were, or what, how they fit, and we knew that the shadows were involved in Psychor in some capacity, but we didn't know why. And in this episode, really, we start to figure out that the telepaths are seen as a weapon. They can hurt the shadows, so if the shadows, you know, commandeer that weapon, they can, you know, nullify the advantage, you know, that the others have. So it's kind of, it, it's, it's finally some payoff to the plot point that we've had for two seasons. That has irritated P.S. Which to is no end. about time. Yes. Be, well, the thing with P.S. is she likes, before she'll watch the show, she would like to know how it ends, and she would like to know when what episode big events happen, so she's not. Yeah, just watch the damn show. <laughs> Some people read the last page of the book before they proceed. No, I'm not saying well, I want to be spoiled. I want to know if it's a good ending. You, you know, you could say it's a good ending, or you could say it's a bad that's ending. Entirely that's entirely subjective. It's subjective. I told you it was good. You still hate it. <laughs> it hasn't ended yet. I know, but... The, but the, 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 <sighs> She broke me. Bester says uh, he's got this information here, and they're like, how did you find out about this? And he says, I'm a telepath. (laughs) Work it out. (laughs) I love him. He has the best delivery. He does. He he does a very good job. He is definitely one of my favorite characters. Yeah, Bester's pretty awesome. Yeah, remind uh, me, because I'm mixing in my head a lot of... Catherine was just dropped from the Catherine call. Catherine was just dropped from the call. Well, well done, yes. Ryan, would you care to respond to my point about Bester being a patriot? Thank you. He, he doesn't like the shadows coming along and messing with his telepaths. He cares about his people. He doesn't care about mundanes, of course, but he cares about telepaths. Well, he cares about his people. He cares about one of his people, obviously, as, as we see her more than anyone else. Yeah, he, I think he's sees the telepaths and the mundanes as almost two different species or, or you know the you know mm-hmm. monkeys versus humans he, he doesn't see them as 
remotely the same. He will use mundanes as an end to protect his people, but I I fully think he sees himself as like the next stage of evolution, and you know whatever happens to us. Oh my end. God, he's Mike. Yeah, yeah he I'm... really is. Mike is the future of mankind, and so is Alfred Bester. So basically, they're one and the same. You like how I don't believe you just went there. You, you th- I made Bester Mike. Yeah, I, I went there. I thought Good. you meant using his first name. I'm like, it's Al. I don't know. Comparing Mike to Bester. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that's absolutely correct. If Bester, uh, Bester has his wisdom teeth, we're all screwed. Bester does think that telepaths are the future and that eventually there is going to need to be a push to get rid of mundanes or if not get rid of them at per se to at least push them out of all influence of power and just let them eventually die off as telepaths take over everything and become the human race. And the, 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 the reason there are telepaths is based on you know a lot of the things we're seeing here with the shadows. So the telepaths were obviously created for a particular purpose, but you'll see that you know, I think you're getting ahead of ourselves there, actually. Well, I never thought that. Honestly, I always thought that from seeing it that the Forlons were involved in... Why, well, I know that they did something, and I'm, presumably it's for a purpose unless the Vorlons just got bored on Saturday night and decided to mess with the universe. I they got it, drunk. It, it's not a spoiler for me, because I always assumed that they had something to do with that, especially given the fact that we see here the telepaths can be used as a weapon. So mm-hmm. That always just clicked for me, So, and, and I always thought so. I wonder if they created them to use them as a weapon. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying, too, is even if they did or even if they didn't, the fact is we have them now, so now you have this mundane versus telepath coexistence, mm-hmm. and that's going to go somewhere too. So regardless of why they're here, you know, if they just sprout it out because too many people evolution, were, too many people were eating KFC. KFC causes telepathy. It does. It really does. No, there was it was that sandwich they came out with where instead of bread, oh god, and all of a sudden telepaths were coming out of the place. The heart attack without bread. Exactly. And PS was making ranger noises. The whole world just. Sorry, my father came in and opened the door. That's weird. Weird things cause yes. that noise. No, it wasn't. I don't think it was the noise, or was it? I turned around when he came in. <laughs> so we have that realization. And um, remind me again the extent of Lita's communications with Bester here. Was there, I don't uh, think she was. Not, she wasn't in this one. She wasn't in this. One. I know. I was going to say when he said Lita, I'm like, this, this <laughs> no, no, no. She she is where she takes over med lab. No, 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 not Lita. No. Different telepath. Oh, you're yeah. thinking of um is, uh Carolyn? No, not not, yeah, not Lita. Yeah, the woman that the woman that the was Caroline um, takes over med lab in this episode, right? Yes. Yeah, Carolyn takes over med lab in this episode. So you're not spoiling us to the fact that Lita takes over med lab. Everyone at one point Lita doesn't take over med lab. Everyone <laughs> at one point in the series captures med lab. There's a cute weird aliens from extinct civilizations take over med lab. It's great. Exactly. They have no security whatsoever in med lab. This place is really lacking in resources. Well, ever since Sinclair transferred millions of credits out of the military (laughs) budget, they've got... John is doing the patrol himself. Then they like got enough to money save. to hire a couple of them back, but Ivanova's rent went up, and so the Sheridans they had to pull that money at the rent. Yeah, 30 credits a month. Yeah, or, 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 or no, 30 credits a week. Or, 30 credits a week is the reason why the security is so terrible. Catherine Sakai yeah. was buying wine and bread like it was going Well, we've that. established why it's difficult for good wine and bread to survive in space. We did? Yeah. <laughs> 
Last time around, it was uh, due to the difficulties of baking bread in space. Okay. Trying to get the bread to rise. Okay. Is it like high altitude? Like very, very high altitude? Very, very high altitude. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Actually, if you're in a very low altitude, you would be in like a black hole or something. That'd be hard to bake bread in a black hole. It would just take a very long time. My gosh, that's a tongue twister. Say that five times. Bake bread in a black hole. Break, Blake, (laughs) bread. She can't even do it once. I did it once. Bake bread in a black hole. Bake bread in a black hole. Bake bread in a black hole. It sounds the same every time. I could be just looping this. You have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Attempt number one. Bake bread in a black hole. (laughs) Attempt number two. Bake bread in a black hole. This doesn't work. I think you can do wondrous things. It's like like when they kidnap hostages and they have to hold up that day's newspaper. (sighs) Not giving you tips. I like how Jakar has run out of patience and he wants in on this new alliance. Uh, I forget who he's talking to. I think it's Delenn. She says, I thought your patience was infinite. And he says, space and time are curved. Even the infinite bends back and eventually finishes where it began. And so have I. A great line would have been if he said, I've wanted in since late season two. Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't it seem like Jakar is like the kid that's not invited to the party? He does, and I feel bad for that kid. But the thing, like at this point, seriously, he's wanted to, like the last time he asked was right before the breakaway from Earth. We, that was like three podcasts ago. I mean, at some point, you got to let the guy. Isn't yeah, Jakar listening to podcasts? Yes. Well, they put him on probation because he tried to kill Londo. So they yeah. remember that. Well, under those circumstances, who wouldn't? <laughs> he's like, please, I was high. Doesn't help his application. <laughs> Ever since he's been in the brig, where they were torturing him, apparently, he was just singing. Okay, okay. Delenn comes clean to Jakar about their knowledge of the shadows and says, when you were warning us about them, we already knew about them, but we couldn't say anything. And we had to let things play out this way because we weren't ready. Yeah, and a picture pre-dust-to-dust Jakar, the one that, like, stormed into Londra's quarters to strangle him. You know, the angry warrior from season one who was screaming, Lieutenant Commander Takashima! I mean, picture him, and then picture in this episode how far he's fallen. You know, Narn has practically destroyed and everything's happened to him, and he's sitting there, and his friends, you know, the only people he can depend on are saying, by the way, we knew that was going to happen we didn't do anything to stop it. And he admits that. He admits his growth when he says that if you had told me this, then I forget exactly death has this. He would have killed them or something. Yeah. Yeah, I can't blame him for being kind of pissed. Plus the story absolutely it's the story that um that Sheridan says in the in um in the Shadow of Zahadum when he has more than and he talks about Winston Churchill. He couldn't let the Germans know that they'd broken the code. code. And how and how do you stand there and tell someone who is depending on you and and you're the only thing he has saying we had to let your people die because there was Well it makes yeah, I mean it makes sense like in the um the abstract, but I think when you're saying personally to Jakar, yeah, we didn't listen to you. They listened to him in that they knew he was right. And at the time, he knew he was right, but no one else would say it. How hard is it to say, we're sorry, but your the, the survival of your species was low on our priority list, or there was something much higher than it, but you're asking this person to trust you. Well, I like how Delenn says, no, it was my decision not to tell him, and I will speak to him now about this. She owns up, and she doesn't try to hide from what's gone on. She knows this is going to be hard and she knows that he's probably going to be angry and he might even get violent. And she's prepared to accept that because she knows she is guilty. And she's 
they're in tears and she's trying to explain to him that they would have destroyed Narn and, and it, it's it's tough at that point to have the well you know you should be grateful for what I did talk because that doesn't usually yeah, yeah it's not the right time for it go well but then if you even think about it, this is the same room that they had the, the rings of gravity scene back in the gathering and look how different they are in two and a half seasons well Delenn probably lost those rings or else she would have used them <laughs> no, they, they went they stopped they, they stopped went down the drain great council exactly they were, it's like Nancy Pelosi loses her office Delenn lost her gravity ring scenes down Jakar has definitely come a long way I think his time in prison definitely served him well like mm-hmm. it has served so many other people very well the end where uh, Garibaldi storms into the war room and they uh, tore down the casino set and they built the war room set. Is oh, did cool? they? Yeah, because there's, there's even a scene in, in an episode where someone's like, Londa, why don't you go to the casino? And he's like, I cannot, they tore down the set. So, um, <laughs> he doesn't say <laughs> that. Says, but I was thinking that. He's like, no, it's my haircut day. He had something else he had to do. Because <laughs> um, it takes all day. Exactly. So they built that set. That's actually the scene. There's a scene. Okay, picture the, the war room set you know how there's like the staircase going down and there's the table at the far yep. end of the room across from the table there's a door that you never usually see used it's like it's guarded it's at the end of the room on the lower level there is a scene coming up where sheridan walks across his office you know he walks in from wh- whichever side he walks in from and walks out the other side and right when he walks out the other side that door is right there so you can tell that they built the war room set right next to the Sheridan office set and they just stuck the door there one day because they wanted to have a scene through but there's no way in hell the war room was ever like you would have heard the construction yeah like, it, kind of hard to hide that yeah, it, it was either, just... either that or the casino is right in front of his, his office <laughs> and they literally office. ripped out the casino to put in the war room yeah, yeah, well, nobody's using it anymore. Times are hard. Nobody yes. has money. There's a recession out there. Come on. <laughs> so that, I thought that was great. And uh, Garibaldi is thumping the book of Jaquan. Oh, do not thump the book of Jaquan. It is disrespectful. Yes. <laughs> At some point, someone asks... Death oh, oh, sp- hold on. Speaking of the book of Jaquan, this is a point for P.S. Did you notice that the corners of the book are cut off? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> Go back and watch the episode that. and look at it, and the corners are, are pretty much cut off. It descended from Narn. Someone at some point in the series wants to borrow the book, and he doesn't want to after his horrendous experience loaning the book to Mr. Garibaldi. I can't remember who. <laughs> there, oh, yeah. It, it's no spoiler, but it comes back with, like, a coffee stain on it. <laughs> and it's like the book is, like, meticulously rewritten with every smudge and there's coffee all over. Never lend a book. Never lend a book. The uh, reason the Narn have no telepaths is because the shadows were based on Narn. That was very interesting. I Mm -hmm. paid attention to the language that Jakar used when he originally was talking about Narn telepaths, and he's asked the question, you know, why are there none? He says they were exterminated. Now, at the time, when I first watched this, I always took it to mean that the Narn themselves exterminated the telepaths out of fear or or what have you, the panic. Which is what I may have wondered if it was the Sakari. He does not specify who did it, and we find out here in this episode that it was the shadows. And we've known all the time that the shadow ships are drawn in the book because obviously he would have had knowledge of them. So it, mm-hmm. it, all, it all fits well. And it, it, I thought that was really cool. And you end the episode with Bester to jump back to the Bester front, realizing that the future of the telepaths rest in this 
Shadow War. His lover's life is in Sheridan's hands, and you literally have Esther, who, who's been an ass for three years, saying, if you can help her, I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, your war is now my war. Your enemies are my enemies. And he'll do it. Like, oh, he about, will. Yeah, Bester's not dicking around here. He, he'll Bester do doesn't pull punches. And if you recall, too, there was a scene in the vision that Sheridan had when he was on the striped ship in season two when he was kidnapped. The caution-induced Vicodin dream. Where he pictured himself in a Psychor uniform. So does that mean mm-hmm. that Sheridan has control over some facet of the Psychor now? Mm-hmm. But I, I just do love the thing where you know, you're expecting weapon supplies and like grenade launchers and whatnot, and you get a, a boatload of telepaths who want to touch your yep. shit. Weapons systems. Mm-hmm. Giving us, we saw it back in Messages from Earth, but we see exactly what they plan to do, how these ships operate for person bonded mm-hmm. with it. It's, it's really creepy. Mm-hmm. find it interesting that among those being taken are blips. Yep. Rogue mm-hmm. telepaths who have not joined the core. I don't think the Psychor people that we saw back in Messages from Earth would have been so eager to go along with us if it was, quote-unquote, good telepaths. Right. Good, loyal to Psychor, that they're getting rid of a problem. Right, it's recycling. It's it's using you know, all parts of the cow. You know what I mean? It's like, what's next? Is that everything I need to stay on it? We have episode yeah, 15. Interludes. Interludes. Yes. I think this is the exact midway point of the series, possibly. I think we're episode... Yeah, well, actually, no. That would have been like episode 13, so we passed it a little bit. But we're, we're pretty much in the middle of the series, and the Shadow War has officially begun. Oh, yes. Uh, we get the last... The, the last bit from Ship of Tears is that the shadows have openly attacked Brakiri space. Right. And you've seen some degree of the, of the shadow psychology. They force people to fight with each other. They promise people, if you'll fight, we'll back you. And then they'll attack them, too, and they'll double back. And it's literally like trying to negotiate with a gang. It's how do you... Yeah, they're playing against the middle. So what do they want out of it? What's their overall goal? If, if they don't seem to be moving towards anything or if they don't seem to, to want something in particular, what are they after? Why are they fighting? I mean, I is their goal a, just to mess, mess up the stuff, up in you know? episode, actually. What do you think the point is? Their goal is to just, you know, mess with everybody and... They're dicks. That's basically... <laughs> they're, they're, basically. <laughs> they're sowing chaos. It's keeping everyone off balance by not attacking the same target, yeah. you know, twice and by attacking as many different possible targets as once. Chaos works to their advantage. Right. Get the um, centauri, the, yeah, get the Centauri to attack everyone. That will weaken the Centauri, and then the Centauri will be less likely to stand up to us and, and more easily able to be taken on by someone else if we switch allegiances. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's literally yeah. playing everyone as a fool. There's a, a line from another from a book series that I read, The Wheel of Time, the ultimate evil baddie in that one, which is just called The Dark One. His his command is just to let chaos rule, yep. and that works, to, that works in their advantage. Toward, to his advantage, and it works towards the shadow's advantage in this one too, because it prevents people from banding together mm-hmm. to fight them. Even even if they do still have an immense technical superiority, yeah. they can be defeated. As Sheridan has now done what twice by accident. He forced one ship to blow up in the jump gate. He flew another one into the center of Jupiter. And Ship of Tears, because of Bester being on board, the, the, tel- the ship backed off. He's never beat them in open combat before. And the brilliant thing about what the Shadows are doing is it's paralyzing everyone. And people, do- you don't want to join forces to fight someone if you think they're going to whip your combined asses. So the only right. way Sheridan has a chance is to unite everyone against the Shadows, but no one will unite because of the Shadows. They need a symbol. They need something 
to show that, yes, the shadows can be beaten, that it's worth signing up to fight. You may die, but it's better than certain death. Right. I mean, in the Minbari can't take on the shadows, and they're, they're kind of fractured. Delenn has control of some of the forces, but the Minbari are fractured. Everyone's fractured. The Centauri, Narn, look down the line. Earth isn't going to do anything. I mean, what do you do? And the only people you have are the Vorlons. And it's always hard with Kosh, I think. I know you guys probably enjoy it more than I do. Like, he's he's a walking refrigerator. So it's difficult to have a very moving scene with a walking refrigerator who doesn't do much in the series. In spite of that, I think I really liked the scene in the hallway with Kosh and Sheridan. Definitely. Sheridan's getting in Kosh's face, if you will. (laughs) And Kosh is like, impudent. The episode comes with commentary by, I think, Jerry Doyle, uh, Richard Biggs, uh, Bruce Boxleitner doing the commentary of it. And I think there's even the scene where, um, I, I believe this is the episode where Franklin resigns. Is I think it? you're correct. It is. Yeah. Oh, thank yeah. God. I thought I spoiled you all because everyone was quiet. Like, what? <laughs> no, yeah. The death of this episode. Yeah, and there's even the scene where um, Garibaldi was going to check on his records or whatnot, and he couldn't go through with it, and, and Franklin was watching, and the actors were, you know, before Richard Bakes passed away, were, were doing the, the, the commentary of that one, and they're basically, they're doing a voiceover of how they want the scene to play, and they're like, I know we can save this marriage! And it's just, you know, <laughs> the opportunity to listen to After you listen to the whole series, because they spoil ahead, listen to it. The, the, the Ren gang with um, when they were making fun of Bruce Boxleitner for getting his ass kicked by a refrigerator to like shove his finger in the little hole in its mouth and try and like <laughs> knock it out that way or whatever you have. To. But um, yeah, and the scene plays completely differently when you know that there's some type of agreement. They are not for you. There's some type of gentleman's agreement not to take on for the war lines and the shadows not to take each other on. And by violating that agreement. Kosh is going to be killed, and Sheridan's saying, I need you to die for me, <laughs> and Kosh is not happy about that, and the scene plays yeah. completely differently, because originally you just think he's being a dick, but he's actually not wanting to sacrifice himself, and, and that... Yeah, well, he's scared, and, yeah. and Sheridan's like, you know, screw you, you want us to do all this stuff, we need you to pull your weight, too, put your money where your mouth is. Because he hasn't done a damn thing except kill Deathwalker. It's kill Deathwalker, yeah, that's yeah, all he's exactly. done. It's all he's done since that and this and die. Those are the three things he's done since I love in the in the scene here, Kosh is Darth Vader and Sheridan is Captain Nita, just beating the piss out of him. Yeah. And he's a powerful little Maytag and um he's <laughs> Boy, that repairman is a hell of a job. Exactly. There's even the moment where he says, if I do this, I won't be there for you at Zaha Doom. And Sheridan reads it as, if I do this, you're on your own. And, Which is fine. But he doesn't realize, if I do this, I'm going to die. He's trying to tell him that, but Sheridan doesn't understand. And he does do it for him, and the, and the Vorlons defeat the Shadows in, in a skirmish, and it kind of gets everyone else on board. And I love the fact that in Kosh's final scene, he's portrayed by the actor who plays Sheridan's dad. Yeah. Because you get some genuine emotion from Kosh, you actually get to see what he's thinking, and it, it reinforces that father-son dynamic. Sheridan is Luke Skywalker. I am your father! And Sheridan instantly knew... Kosh had died as soon as mm-hmm. he woke up he, and, and more than had him executed and he instantly knew and they're going to try and keep it hush hush because how do you tell these people who just started coming together that you know they took out the war long yeah. and one of us could be next <laughs> yeah that's not exactly what you want to leak out and I thought the I just thought the episode was incredibly moving it ends with Kosh's ship will perform one last duty in memory of Kosh and it 
Flies into the sun. Flies into the sun. Uh, JMS's first reaction or first public statement after this episode aired to, was to announce that the uh, reason Kosh had been running off the show was um, due to a contract dispute. Contract dispute. Wow. He had quite a sense of humor, that man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult with a character like that. I love Farscape, and two of the main characters are Muppets. But I love those characters because they are happy and sad. They show emotion, and they feel like people just with giant heads that you forget after a while they're not real. But Kosh was a, was a refrigerator for three. Like, he didn't show emotion, really. The, the only scene you really get some human emotion from him is when he dies. So... But th- well, he's also, it's not just that he's a refrigerator, it's also that he's written to be this frustratingly non-emotive character. I mean, he all he says is, the hour of just- scampering has passed. <laughs> yes, you are the dreamer of the dream. Like, it's, he's a prophet. I mean, really. it doesn't, it's supposed to be, like, frustrating, I mean, it doesn't make any sense, so yeah. I think... Well, it's, yeah. it's the death of Dumbledore, it's the death of Gandalf, I mean, it's the death of, he's the old man with the white beard, and this was his time to go, but he's not yeah. the old man with the white beard, he's the old man with the white beard, he's been in the box for three years, so you can't even see his eyes, so it's 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 tough to feel bad to Kosh die, but you feel it because Sheridan felt it. Who we go to now if we need something? I mean, The other Vorlon. <laughs> yeah, they are all Kosh, it's probably going to be their response, so it's like, whatever. We'll send them like, what's your name? They are all Kosh. Kosh yeah. is all us. Yeah. Yes. Well, if you're trying to keep the we illusion the that Kosh is still there, yes. then why not? Yeah, I mean, all he has to do is sort of float around and be there, and nobody will suspect a thing. A, a new Kosh will show up. What's your name, Kosh? No, I know that, but what's your real name, Kosh? We Kosh. Are all Kosh. Like, it's, you know, we are all Kosh. You know that it's going to happen. It's <laughs> like, like the Borg. It's, it's, it's like, it's like a purple green thing, it sounds like. <laughs> Purple Drazi, Kosh Vorlon. I am Kosh. You are Kosh. We are all Kosh. Kosh speaking, may I help you? So, like Kosh works customer service. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if you call Kosh? Oh my god. Is so, like, fix your, your computer, he'll be like. Hi, I see this extra charge on my bill here. You do not understand. <laughs> No, 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 that's I right. I, that's the whole that's point of what I was saying. Understanding is a three-edged sword. <laughs> Could you imagine when the shadows <laughs> came at the Vorlon fleet, if the Vorlons just started confusing them to death? <laughs> they just spoke a riddle and the shadows just left. <laughs> like, we can't take it. Screw this, I'm going elsewhere. <laughs> they leave the Brakiri alone or whoever the hell they were attacking. They just, <laughs> you guys made my brain hurt. <laughs> They're like James May from British Top Gear. See, another reference to something other than Babylon. Other than Babylon no 5. If, if, a reference Babylon to something five other than Babylon 5. There's someone out there who knows what I mean. Great character. Well, he's not a character. <laughs> Ryan, you're a great character, too. <laughs> Thank you very much. You. <laughs> <Ow>. Hey. Stop making fun of me. Did we discuss Londo adequately previously? I think we did. A little bit. I mean, you finally see Londo happy again. Or I believe the second a few time. seconds. She's so happy that she's coming back. There's a whole montage dedicated to his happiness. <laughs> it's great. And see, it's the kind of happiness where it's like he's so happy, you know it can't end well. Oh, yeah. exactly. Well, you know you... this man does not get to be happy. Adir is about to die, or Londo is about to be audited. One of those two things is about to I happen. think the last time Londo was genuinely happy is when he got the eye back. 
Yeah, and that worked yeah. out famously for him. Yeah. So, whoops. And you know it's going to happen too when everyone gets off the ship and the deer is not there. It's, I kept expecting Londo to see through Morden's ruse. It was so well played though, because he. I agree. I agree, but I, I was still there. Was still part of me expecting that to happen. So Morden played it so well in that he allowed Londo to hang himself. Yes. If I just sit here and wait for thirty minutes and give him enough rope, and he comes back to the point where he's like, "Just protect my people and let the rest of the galaxy burn." And I'm totally yeah. Okay with that. He doesn't care anymore. Just get Reefa. Reefa should. Probably a of extra security guards for- he, he should take out a life insurance policy. Like he felt like the end of season two was like the down point of the series for Londo because he's starting wars with everybody and can't get out. Well, he, well, he, he was almost, finishing war. <laughs> yeah, well, he's starting wars with all the younger races. I mean, he just started to get out and you thought in this episode he had the chance for a new leaf and, it, and now he's in as deep as he ever was because he doesn't know who his friends are or who his enemies are anymore. I, I really like Londo as a character and I'm really hoping that in the rest of the season or sometime in the near future that he'll He'll have a turnaround because it's turn around. It's, it's, it's well, let's talk about the next one because one of the things we get in War Without End is we get a flash forward about seven. Yeah, we years. we finally see well, it's twenty years from, or, or whatever. It's been three. One. It's twenty years from season one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been fifteen years or something like that. Uh, <laughs> A few years, give or take. You know, something. A trifle later. This is the prophecy that Londo had of his own death, and we see that, oh, look, it's actually happening exactly as we saw, but not for any of the reasons we thought. Right. I I love that. Yeah. You got told in the beginning, Londo and Jakar will strangle each other in 20 years, and that's exactly what you saw happen. But... So, Catherine, Aaron, and P.S., your thoughts on the flashboard? I thought it was fantastic. <sighs> yeah, it was... I um, think it was fantastic. Because they're friends. They got along. They made up. And it's not what you would expect. It was a nice surprise. And then they it, killed each other. <laughs> it, it was well, a surprise. And I have to presume they were friends for a while before they killed each other. I'm really looking forward to seeing how exactly it works out that the two of them become friends because they're obviously not friends. Yeah, I really, I hope we get shown that. I really do. And it's nothing that you expect because what you see here is essentially Jakar euthanize Londo at the cost of his own life. Londo is obviously under the control of something. The keeper. Some unknown something. We all have our keepers. And his no, they, they see it. They, he shows it. It's on his shoulder and the thing has one eye. And, you know, it's, it's obviously got hold of him, and you get the sense, too, that when Londo is very, very drunk, he has a few moments to himself. Yeah, because the thing is symbiotically connected to him, and it's feeding off of him, and it feeds on the alcohol, and it cannot hold its liquor. Obviously, Sheridan and Delenn, for whatever reason, were on Centauri Prime and were captured by Londo, and you are told that Sheridan wins the Shadow War, but there was a cost to it. And no, I, I don't think that Sheridan wasn't actually there. I mean, he appears there, but I don't think in the so-called real timeline he was actually there, because they're very surprised to see him. Welcome back from the abyss, Sheridan. Your timing, as always, is quite exceptional. Just in time to die. 
No, I, I believe he was no, I, there. He was, he was I mean, he. what do you mean he wasn't there? I mean, the Sheridan of the proper timeline, who is yeah. 17 years older, was not there on Centauri, I don't think. Oh, no, of because, course not. No, I believe you're actually incorrect in that. Um, no, but then they would be like, why are there two Sheridans? No, yeah. he jumped into his future body. But he wasn't mm. in the future body. No, he, he body, was his not, own this body. is not what happened was he jumped into his seventeen year older body. So Sheridan and Delenn were on Centauri Prime for whatever reason in, in custody. All of a sudden Sheridan is himself and then for one moment he's what the hell happened? I was just on the White Star and what's going on? So it's he, like when it's like in Nightmares of Futures Past, except backwards. Right. So he ju- he flashes into his future body with no knowledge of why he's there. When he speaks to Delenn, she says, You told me once this happened or something of to that effect. Like, yeah, like, oh, this right. must be the time when you Yeah. So You're saying there's not two Sheridan. No, there's not two Sheridans, and I think that. But it seems so random that he just randomly appeared. Yeah, because his body disappeared from the time he was in. He became unstuck in time. And if you look at, think about it going the other way, I mean, you can't say this because Jeff physically went back in time, and then when they were wearing the blue the blue suit, they physically went back no, in wait, time. No, that did happen with Garibaldi though, because Garibaldi didn't he jump when he jumped back in time? Did he remember when he was talking to Lise? Did he remember being himself, or did he just like really- that was a flashback, not the same thing? How do you know? Because, because it had I the same appearance of all the, the other flashbacks. Flashbacks and flash forwards. When he was on Babylon Four, when Garibaldi was on Babylon Four in season, yeah, when he had a flashback, he didn't fall through yeah, time. He, and he get experienced there. a time dilation like everybody else did. All right. What I will say is because the question was why didn't they because look older? If you look in the scene when they're in the well, cell, it's so poorly lit. But Delenn and Sheridan are both made up to be about twenty years older. Why does his body disappear when he jumps forward again? That's a very good question. So what you can and why <laughs> does his body disappear in the in the current? time when he goes forward. I, I don't think it's the same body. Does the, yeah. Well, it is. What I think it is is I think it's a plot hole. Because <laughs> I think it was always intended to be the same body. Well, it can't be. I mean, it can be. It cannot. You realize it doesn't have to be a plot hole if we say it's not the same body. Did his body actually disappear? Well, yeah. JMS, yeah. Uh, JMS said it was, the same, it was the same body and he wrote the thing. What JMS said was if you look, they had him look 20 years old. But it's clearly on the screen that he's disappeared. He went somewhere. <laughs> he went to the bathroom. Yeah, the body is like floating by this. I don't know what body Yeah, I agree that it's, it's definitely, it looks 20, 20 years older. I wonder if that's. I thought he was just met like ruffled, roughed up by the Centauri. You know, like no, there's they were definitely dry. more gray hair. You can argue it was a space-time continuum effect. You know, why is Sinclair so much older? I have no idea. And I also wonder too if the Sinclair aging was always intended, or if maybe in an early draft of the series, you know, Sinclair twenty years from now was supposed to be. Because if you remember, I suspect that it was rewritten. Well, in season one, when Sinclair takes off the helmet, when you find out Sinclair was the one. He's old, so you mm-hmm. could argue maybe they were supposed to go and save Babylon for 25 years in the future when Sinclair would have been old. Mm-hmm. As a result, but then like, it, so it changed. Yeah, oh, it, it turns your hair gray if you go back through the thing again. What the hell? Where was Sheridan's body? Why did Delenn put the suit on? Where is the conference room? That's we know why Delenn put the suit on, because that was how you power the time stabilizer. I figured that out. So maybe... Because the plot says so. No. <laughs> is the best bloop 
part from this episode is when Bruce Boxleitner is struggling and he's in pain. He's in that little crawl space. Like, you know, remember when they all were coming up through the floor and he's like over in the corner? He's like grabbing himself because he's supposed to be in pain and he's grabbing for his time stabilizer and it comes off, rolls on its side, down the hall, out of camera. <laughs> and he's just staring at it to see how far it will go. And it goes like down a flight of stairs. You can hear it. And he just looks back at the camera. He's like, whoa. It was the best <laughs> Yeah, so in the future, the Shadows will apparently be defeated by Sheridan, and as a result, Centauri Prime is on fire, and Londo has a keeper, and he and Jakar are BFFs. And, yep. and we and see Delenn, Lady Morella's prophecy come true. Sheridan and Delenn have a son, presumably David, named after Cog's son, who is safe. So maybe that was mm-hmm. something to do with why they're there. And Veer will become Emperor after Londo is dead. Mm-hmm. At the hands of Jakar. It's awesome. The hands of Jakar. Yeah, I remember you guys were predicting maybe Londo and Jakar were on the shuttle leaving Babylon 5 as it was exploding. Yeah, oh my god, that was funny well, stuff. Well, my thing was, I'm like, didn't you notice there was, like, the throne Throne room? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when I said that, you realized I was joking. No, you weren't. We have it on tape, too. No, you really weren't. No, you weren't. I was not. I you was said joking. you love season two. I have that on tape, too. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking. I do enjoy the fact that when Sinclair returns and, and says, here's the mission we have to go on, and, you know... Yeah, I like how Commander Sinclair takes charge. Or Ambassador. Because he's awesome. He's officially Ambassador, but you see no, the Commander... about yeah. Clark is the president. Well, he's, he's also... Remember, he's also the, the Commander of the the Rangers, so he's, it's not like he's totally he's devoid of... Yeah. No, but I, I just find it funny that the, the character of the Commander comes back a little bit to start issuing orders. Now, whether you all... Well, let's start with P.S. What did you think? I was glad to see Jeff again. I knew that was coming. I could have answered that question. There wasn't any actual, there wasn't any Jeff Mike action in this one. Well, there was. Oh, my God. He left him a note. Hello, old Yeah. Did, did, did you notice letter. the attempt? They tend to get into the crack the code, fasten, zip is the code. Socks! <laughs> Came up as well. That was awesome. That was the best thing ever. That would have been great if he's like, hello, old friend, wait, three words, socks, fasten, zip, password, assistant. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. So I love that. I love Ivanova's I'll be in the car. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah, let, yeah, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, I'll be in the car. <laughs> There are a couple moments here where I think that we're trying to spice up the writing a little bit. Like, Lanier is explaining how the hull of the ship works, and Sheridan's like, cool! Yeah, well... (laughs) The uh, the White Stars are Borg. They adapt. Exactly. Yeah, They learn from their encounters and, and they adapt, too. Although, it, it, with all the adapting the Borg do, you'd think they would have taken over Earth before now, but exactly. that's just an aside. Maybe they couldn't find it like the Mimbari. Now, P.S. predicted in an earlier episode that, well, for, she made two predictions. Her first prediction was that Sinclair was Valen. And her second prediction was, no, he's not Valen. He's Valen's bomber jacket that he donated to the Salvation Army. I don't so, remember this. Oh, I Brian is twisting my words. What I predicted was that Jeff was the soul of Valen reborn. Like, it passed down from generation okay. to generation. Yes. Like yeah. bomber jacket. All right, that makes more sense. You're yeah. the one that made up the bomber jacket. Bomber jacket is a humorous detail. It's a humorous way of putting it, just like we say things like, 
the Jeff was or John. See, this they have the same. They have such similar names. That's why I don't like Sheridan. He went to the bathroom. That's like saying he went to the bathroom when he went to the future. It's a it's humorous detail that no one actually believes is true. My point was because I said Jeff when I met John. I thought that Jeff was the soul of Valen. See, I, I love the irony here that when they're saying that their basis of human soul being or um, yeah. Mimbari's soul being reborn as human is actually the fact that the soul, that their basis for Mimbari's soul was a human soul. Well, that was the thing. <laughs> now don't they feel like schmucks for surrendering in the war? I mean, that, well, the thing is, you imagine. What the odds well, if they had picked up another guy, it would all have been it, like if they picked up a different guy, it would have been completely different because they wouldn't have. P.S. When you get done watching the series, you must read Dark Distorted Mirror because that that's be exactly what happens. Okay, cool. What would have happened if? And the thing that kills me is they scanned him with with Sinclair's own future triluminary. Yeah, it's like who? Where did the triluminary yes. come from? Because Jeff gave it to Delenn, and Delenn gave it to Jeff, and Jeff gave it to Delenn, well, and Delenn gave it to Jeff. Machine. It, it was in one of the boxes. So, in this episode, <laughs> it was just no, in a box. No, it, that's what Zathras, in his many boxes that he dropped on the floor, one of them had the Triluminary. So, Zathras brought the Triluminary from Epsilon 3, gave it to Jeff. Jeff went back in time a thousand years, used it, left it for Delenn. Before he gave it to her, it scanned him in, recognized So, Delenn still has a Triluminary then? The same Triluminary, but it's a thousand yeah. years old. Yeah, it's a thousand years old. Yeah. Zathras brought those from Epsilon 3. Zathras is beast of burden. Very sad life. Probably have very sad death. <laughs> at least there is symmetry. Yes, at least there is symmetry. Well, we don't it's, like Blink, death, do we? it's like Blink, Ryan. It's like Blink. He goes back in time with the one. Zathras goes back with yeah. It's a good fate. He goes back with Sinclair. Yeah. And there's also these other Vorlons. Well, one of them is Kosh. Yeah, one of them is Kosh, and the other one is another one. Who knows what the other one is? It could be Josh. It could be Kosh. The other one is also Kosh. Be, they are all Kosh. It could be Kosh, too. Who the hell knows? Oh, Kosh, too. Great name. <laughs> How do we know it's Kosh 2? It could be Kosh 14. I think it's be Kosh 2.0. <laughs> the leaner, meaner Kosh. Good grief. The upgrade to Kosh. It could be Puma Kosh. Kosh Puma. Kosh. Okay, name is Puma. <laughs> it's a type of animal. I understand what it is. So well, it's, they're you're all, a weird it, name. It's, it's, it fits the pattern. I mean, you got your snow leopards, you got your tigers, you got your pumas, you got your jaguars. I mean, what would you have named it? Ocelot. Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Move everything up one. I don't know. Going back to the episode. Jumping back to the, the Centauri Prime bit again, this is Londo's last chance. His very last chance. He must not kill the man who is already dead. Now, is that Sheridan? And Why is Sheridan I think dead? that's Sheridan. I think Sheridan is dead in this future. Welcome back from the abyss, Sheridan. But how could then that does, how could it? Because he's unstuck in time. He appears. Everyone's very surprised to see him because they all thought he was Mm. dead. And now we're going to kill him again just to make sure. You get the sense that Londo is like an ass in many of those future scenes. And then he stops as soon as his little keeper goes to sleep. So you get the sense that he's putting on that show. Yeah, I think it's like a horcrux. I think the thing is making him be an ass. Or is it, is. it or is it telling him you will be, yeah it's not like he, when he, wears he it. it's not controlling his actions directly it doesn't care what else he does as long as he does things that bring about the ends that the keeper wants right. so it's exactly like a horcrux it's the locket i mean it's I mean, in the end, that's why he killed Jakar. He killed Jakar because the thing woke up. Yeah, the thing woke up, and yeah, and, and the thing was fighting for for its own survival. But if he had not let Delenn and Sheridan go, then he could have lived. So he did sacrifice himself. 
and Jakar. I mean, J- Jakar was in on it. I mean, they, they died so that Sheridan mm-hmm. could live. So well, he couldn't kill Sheridan because that's the body that needs to go back in time and well, come back from the bathroom. He, but he's not thinking that. I don't even think he has any yeah. idea. Yeah, if he had killed Sheridan there, it well, no, that's really what I'm saying. If he had killed past, Sheridan he, there, then Sheridan would never return to the present. Yeah, he would. He'd just be dead. Right. Ooh, that, wouldn't that be interesting? I mean, I have no idea what the plot would be, but like, he just his dead body drops out of thin air. Now, the other question yeah. is the words that, as Sheridan is being pulled back into the past, the words that Delenn shouts to him as he is. You must not go to Zahadum. Now, does that mean that he went to Zahadum and now everything has turned out this way? Or does it mean that he. Well, that lends credence to your idea that he's dead because, isn't it, Kashu says if he goes to Zahadum, he will die? Yep, exactly. So if he's going to Zahadum, she's telling he's him, don't, don't kill yourself, essentially. Right. The thing you don't know is, is she telling him not to go to Zahadum? Zahadum because he went there the first time and she wants things to turn out differently or did he heed her advice the first time and not go to Zahadum and now she's making sure he gets the same message again? Yeah, I think it would be the former because the latter. Yeah, I I follow your train of thought but I really, I don't think she would do that. I mean, it's like, I don't think it would be like, do the same thing you did. Be- like, I don't think it, re- it only requires a warning if you're trying to change the past. So in that future, no, you, 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 ha- you have to, you have to deliver those warnings that make you take action. Even if you don't think they're, they're strictly necessary. If but how would you she think know he wouldn't have done it otherwise. Well, you try. If I he mean, didn't do it. This is like saying if you know your father gets hit by a car on a Friday morning and you're thinking, well, if I stop him, you know, the timeline will be changed. But if I don't, at some point you just yell, don't go out into the street, not even caring what's going to happen or not even caring. But you just say it to try and. But, but if he didn't go to Zaha Doom, why would she tell him not to? Because they don't know what going to Zaha Doom would have done. Or maybe she thinks, maybe he said once, you know, an old friend gave me a warning not to go and that was what kept me off of the... Or is this, like, the deal where it's like they're trying to ensure that the future happens the way it did? I mean, it was a pretty crappy future. Why would you... I mean, you would but think... But it was better than the alternative. That's the thing. Yeah, because so, you don't know what the alternative is. Right, so let's do a little test here. Who thinks that Sheridan uh, goes to Zahadum? Me. I think he goes to Zahadum. Oh, he absolutely does. Standing in that cell, in that universe where everything happened as we saw it, had he gone to Zahadum? Yes. Okay. I yes. think that's why it turned out I think shitty. that's why she warns him not to. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I don't think it's a double bluff or anything. I think it's a straight up. Uh, it happened before. I don't want it to happen again. Please don't do it. All right, let me uh, ask you to be predictors here. Why do you think if he goes to Zahadum, why do you think that leads to such disaster? Because he dies. He is a linchpin, and if you take him out, he is. A, no he is to... Uh, to to put it a certain way, he is a cornerstone of fate. He can't. He has to. Uh, he has to live. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Catherine, do you have a snort or do you have a thought? No. Um. Aaron and Death Roll eloquently summed up my thoughts. I think it would have been great if you went... How would that be relevant? It'd be highly relevant. It'd be your thing. It, it's character. It only comes in response when something is funny. There's nothing funny about going to Zahadum and dying. Nothing, there's nothing funny about Zahadum. And Ryan is sterile. The name of You've instantly made Zahadum the most hysterical thing ever. Just there's, by saying there's nothing funny there's about Zahadum. nothing funny about Zahadum. Nothing funny about Zahadum. Everyone stop. You need, can you say that in a lot of voice? Can I? No, I'm talking to Death Row because he's the. There is nothing funny about Zaha Doom. Oh!
I have a couple of last comments on the first part anyway. One is another Zathras quote. Zathras good at doing, not at understandings. When Sinclair walks up to Zathras and says, is, you'll meet me later, but you won't have known me yet. He goes through the whole thing. I think that's even right before that line. It's like, do you honestly expect him to follow the space-time continuum? Well, actually, maybe No, he definitely not. Well, no, he works um, on the great machine. I mean... There's a difference between working on the machine and understanding the machine. He polishes the Exactly. Well, he knows things about the machine that not even Drawl knows. He's been there longer. Yes. Zathras is 110 years old. And very proud of it. Drawl is just a temp. Yes. Zathras is basically a senior citizen. He's plucky. Plucky? Plucky. That's awesome. That reminds me of Galaxy Quest. Exactly. Thank you, Aaron. That's where I was going. That's where I was going, sir. Last comment on this part. We get a description of Eddie's in the space-time continuum. Hitchhiker's Guide, anyone? Get him out! I've seen one episode, and the lead character reminds me of Arthur Weasley. Of what? Because his name is Arthur Dent. Read the fracking book. It's a book. Well, I know that, but it's also a TV show. No, it's a book. That's like saying Harry Potter is also a movie. It is. I just saw it. But you wouldn't substitute the movie for the book, would you? Hell no. There you go. I don't think I'm disagreeing with you, though, am I? Yes, you are. No, you're not. (laughs) What is the point of our disagreement? I am telling you to read the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books. Fine, on the list. I'll put it on my computer. At least the first two. I will send you the audio book. There's a BBC series of that I need to watch. That's the one I think. I'm excited because the actor who plays Arthur Dent. Oh, can I tell you? On I the was movie is going to be Bilbo. Watching Deathly Hallows, like I don't place actors well. I was halfway through the Will scene in Deathly Hallows before I realized that the actor who played Minister of Magic Scrimgeour was the guy from Love Actually who had the hit single. Yeah. It's, I'm like I'm like I'm watching it with Danielle and I lean over. I'm like I feel it in my fingers. Somewhere out there, at least one of our listeners got that. There's lots of Harry Potter actors in Song of Ice and Fire. You no, know why? There's like seven British people in the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Filch, Filch is going to be Walter Frey. Which um, is an awesome oh, choice. That's awesome. And Tonks is going to be Osha. And Hermione's mother is going to be Caitlin. You know, I don't think that really counts as being I know, an I'm HP kidding. person. She's an extra. Hold on. Hermione's mother from... I have a question. Was Hermione's mother in Deathly Hallows the same as Hermione's mother in Chamber of Secrets? I can't even think. Hermione's mother... Hermione didn't oh, yeah. have a mother in Chamber of Secrets. She had like a... Like she, yes, no, she, she did. A she mother, appeared in Diagon Alley and Arthur wanted to buy them lunch. Oh, right. I have no idea. I don't think so. Well, she was in Deathly Hallows for all about four seconds. I'm just saying it because I saw it on a website that said it was going to be Caitlin. Hopefully her performance in Deathly Hallows isn't what got her the job. Yeah, seriously. I'm sure she's an established actress who's been in many other things we just haven't seen because we're not British. We are not British, though. That's incredibly well, can I just say, I'm watching Deathly Hallows, and I'm, I'm like, the, the, the borough looks different from the last movie. I'm like, oh yeah, it burned down. Yeah, it burned down. <laughs> of course, it wasn't supposed to burn down, but it's what like are you going to do? Well, you go in the uh, in the kitchen, and there's like a plasma TV on the wall, and there's like a man cave in the corner. That you can put- <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have to just say this. I mean, no disrespect. I'm watching the movie, and there's a scene in the movie that has Ron, and Ron is at the distance, okay? Ron is at the edge of the screen, and, and Harry is looking at Ron. I'm looking at Rupert Grint. I'm like, huh. Hmm. And I, I'm trying to get back into the movie, but I keep looking at Rupert Grint. I must say something. Hold, I don't hold see it, what... Hold it, hold it, hold it. You do this all the time. The, then the movie's over, and Danielle's like, did you have difficulty looking away from Rupert Grint? Because I did. 
and I'm like, he has the largest thighs in the world. I'm sorry. Why were you checking out Rupert Grimm's thighs? You see him from a distance, and it's they're there. And I don't know if it's just he's been working out a lot, but they weren't in Half-Blood Prince. I'm like, isn't this like a month? Wow. Rupert Grant has been taking steroids. Rupert Grant has very large thighs. Ryan is sterile. I mean, this is the other thing that can be the end of this episode. <laughs> what were you going to say, P.S.? Catherine? I, I was saying that I don't really think he's attractive. Me? Or we he doesn't do much Rupert for me. Grant? No. Rupert Grant? Yeah. We're not talking no. about me, though, right? Do you yeah, find Ryan, Rupert Grint attractive? Rupert Grint, thank God. Well, if you like thighs, I mean, he's your man. Crickets. Lots and lots of crickets. You are finite. Zathras is finite. This is wrong tool. Never use that tool. I am even on the phone today. Someone called me at work asking me something. I'm like, this is helpful. This is this is wrong spreadsheet. Hold on. Nice. Zathros is amazing. Like, I've never had the courage to actually say my good and dear friend. Oh, no? I've been on the edge of it a couple of times. It was actually talking about you. I was about to say, oh, a good and dear friend of mine. Like, blah, 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 like, <laughs> but I just couldn't do it. <laughs> a good and dear friend of mine was this. No, I don't mean you're not a no. good and dear friend. I meant I couldn't I say the it. word. I got it. She's saying, I have a good and dear friend who does these awesome accents. Yeah. She wants to say it, but uh, she doesn't want to come across as weird. Good and, really, and she goes dear for it and friend. She's like, my good and dear friend, Death. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm buddy with Death, which means, you know, you won't come after us, will you? Because you're our friend. What? He hasn't seen, he hasn't seen He's read the book. He knows what death does. He's seen, he's read the book. And he also, this is not even Deadly Allies, you realize that death is a thing that comes for you with a black cloak and stuff. This is not made up by Joe Rowling. Yes, I I'm, do. No, I'm talking about the Grim Reaper personification of death is my not as presented in the book is not made up by, de- is not made up by Joe Rowling. My question is, do you believe in the Grim Reaper? No. It sounded like you were saying that. I just wanted confirmation. Do you I believe in the Grim so Reaper? I'm so confused right now. She was explaining to me the real Grim Reaper, and I'm like... Yeah, well, I meant the, the general, like, mythological Grim Reaper. Okay, I understand. For a second, I thought you thought that the character of Death was J.K. Rowling's creation. So you thought that J.K. Rowling wrote Death. Our Death or their Death? I didn't I, think that. <laughs> I thought you thought that. I thought you thought she made that up. Like, the Black Cloak... No. Character of death. Family Guy. I haven't seen Family Guy. I wouldn't know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what? Where would that end? Part one and part two. The only time travel episodes in Babylon 5. CNC looked familiar. It, it looked very familiar, didn't it? <laughs> Was it the same CNC from the exact, It's always the same CNC. They changed the fives to fours. But they, <laughs> the fours looked like threes, if you notice. They did! And they even I'm glad I'm not the one who noticed. Maybe they used the leftover threes from Babylon 3, but we're just going to call it Babylon 4. You know what they did? He actually said in the cargo bay, there were some crates that said Babylon 3, and he even said... Those were left over from Babylon 3. So they yeah, well, it's it's stuff they didn't get to ship to Babylon 3 yeah. before it was destroyed. And the 3 part I actually figured out is the strokes of the B. It doesn't say just the number. It yes. actually says B and 4. Well, he even said there's a – JMS is a commentary. I think it's the Gathering. And wouldn't that say 34? In the Gathering, the, the guy who picked the fonts for the show, he picked the font that no one can actually read. So the B4 looks like B3. 
like the five, you can't even tell it's a five. So like on this show, I have a really hard time reading anything. And then you get to the like the Midbari language or the Centaur. I can, I'm fine with exactly. reading classic Narn, but reading English in the show is next to impossible. <laughs> it is sacrilege to translate the Book of Jaquan. <laughs> <laughs> Do not thump the Book of Jaquan. No, it is disrespectful. No, Do not pour coffee on the Book of Jaquan. <laughs> I can't believe he put. So many rules! Oh my god! Don't do this! Don't do that! I'm trying to imagine Michael reading the book of Jaquan. He's like reading it while he's eating. He's like reading it in the bath. I don't know Narn. Learn. <laughs> well, we already uh, then. What do we think of uh, Delenn's flash? She sees Sheridan laying in bed, and she's walking across. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, I, um, didn't, uh, I didn't notice that. I wouldn't have gotten that unless you just said. That was death roll badly spoiling. Well done, death roll. <laughs> I would like to point out I always get the spoiler tag I hear was fine. So. Yes, you were. You did not. You did not spoil I me. I spoil like one thing every five episodes. This was a show Biden would say a big fucking deal. The thing which we should clarify is we don't know if future Centauri Prime is real. We don't know if because of Sheridan appearing there that will somehow change the future. We don't know anything. Don't forget, in these two episodes, we saw a future flash where Babylon 5 is destroyed in eight days and Michael goes down with the ship and they really assume that now that won't happen at least in eight days. We don't know if any of the flashes we've seen at any point in the series will actually happen the way they're shown. I got the impression that this reality is mutable. Especially when you go back to Lady... Morella. Lady Morella's prophecy. I got the impression that that was preventable. Like, I think prophecy in this universe... Because she says he, Londo, has five chances, and that implies that there's decisions that he has the power. It's like decision points in a game. Like, he can, you know, take this branching path. You know, he has five flags left, you know? The the thing to keep in mind is the voice that you do hear in Delenn's Flash is a very famous actress. My mother walking by might have recognized that voice. And there's a particular reason it's that particular actress, but my mother actually would not recognize anything, I think, from Babylon 5. I had it on one day, and she walked by, and she actually thought I was watching Scarecrow and Mrs. King. You're trying to say your mother? There's a little bit retarded. Bruce Boxleitner actually played the lead character on Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Speaking of uh, Bruce Boxleitner being of course the lead character not saying things, space. I, I finally watched Tron for the first time the other day. He's the lead character in that I have after Jeff Bridges. I wanted yeah. to comment on the um, just overall on World Without End. It's really hard to get time travel right. Mm-hmm. And they did a very good job. They made a very good attempt at it. They weren't perfect. There were a lot of, of plot holes, but that's basically what time travel just does. And I can totally live with that. And they also, they brought Sinclair back. Sinclair, literally, he got dropped from the show. They didn't realize when they filmed his last episode that it was his last episode. And he came back for a couple of voicemail spots, sending messages to people, but he really didn't have any closure. And now in this episode, you find out he was the leader of the Mimbari during the last Great War and he lived a thousand years ago which was planned nice yeah which, which was planned from the beginning so all those little drops in the first season about Warren of Mimbari and whatnot or you fight like you a talk like a Mimbari you eat like a you eat like a Mimbari you do something like a Mimbari you eat like a Mimbari eat like a Mimbari you sleep like a Mimbari at a 45 degree angle and I mentioned this to Aaron after he watched the episode keep in mind too the reason Delenn dissolved the Great Council is because Valen prophesied that someone would do one day but the only reason Valen prophesied that was because Jeffrey Sinclair knew that she all of this has happened before and all of it could be the worst thing in the world to do, but he's prophesizing it because he knows she does it. It doesn't mean you're prophesizing to do it and it will 
lead to good things. Well, it just means it's, I, know she does. I mean, it's, it's well, good. is that it's like he has gone to the past and he wants to get cred with the Mimbari of the past, so he makes these predictions. Is it, he knows they're going to come true. Yeah, you can't verify any of them. <laughs> so well, he I wonder, also knows like, what happened a thousand yeah. years ago, so he, yeah, he knows, knows what he was supposed to do. Right. He needs the book from 1955. I mean, he will, you know, go back and he'll form Great Council. I mean, he knows what Valen, the historical, it's like if you went back in time and you right. decide, and you said, hello, my name is George Washington, you know what George Washington did. You could live out the life of George Washington because you are familiar with it from history. Right, but you're also not able... I'm sure he doesn't know as much about Valen as I would know about George. But then you could say that's, like, lost to history. You know, I mean, history is not 100% accurate. Right, I mean... It's just like you have a cheat sheet so that you know what you're supposed to do. True, but to get the credibility, I can't go back and say, my name is George Washington, I'll prove it one day we will have airplanes. I mean, that doesn't really... really (laughs) I'm saying he knows what will happen. I'm saying you can go back in time and George Washington and say, I can beat England. True. Watch me. I wonder if he knew how to do it. He was also studying on Minbar for the last... He studied Valen, I think. Year and a half. I'm not saying that you, Ryan, with your knowledge of George Washington, would do it. You would have read everything there is to read about George Washington. That's, that's fair, too. He obviously didn't know until he got the letter from himself. I don't think he was studying Valen to prepare himself to become Valen. I think he was studying Valen because Valen you know, I think is an important... He might have been studying Valen at the direction of the Vorlons. I wonder, yeah. if, I wonder if he got the letter and it's like, dude, you're Valen, see you soon, Jeff. And he's like, crap. And on the way to Babylon 5, he's reading Valen's autobiography trying to, like... I mean, how, how do you know that he isn't going to, like, prove himself by saying it's going to rain tomorrow. You know what I mean? For all we know, he could have, like, the almanac. Don't forget, somehow the Vorlons know to trust Valen. So either the Vorlons are, like, omnipresent and they can backwardly communicate with themselves through time. And That's can... what I asked, whether they existed outside of linear time. Which, if you're the Mimbari and you're down in the dumps and you're about to lose this war and your space station's been destroyed and the Vorlons show up with this other Mimbari and he's got a seven-mile-long space station, he's like, follow me. You're going to probably follow him because he has four lines in a seven mile long space station so if the war wins you're now veiling the guy who saved us and now you've got some credibility Mm -hmm. to to do whatever you want to yeah (laughs) he's got street cred (laughs) i enjoy that very very much so yes so you'll stop laughing we're sick over here you'll have poor death rolling catherine i feel bad for them so let's close keep laughing at us we'll come over and visit and get you sick franklin has resigned over the number 13 valen being sinclair who's in the past londo and jakar may become bffs if sheridan will only go to zaha doom can i ship it you can ship it if you would like and you have the mystery voice from the future if it was even the future or the past or the past it could have happened in the past and we missed it and that's pretty much where the show is now and the shadow war is uh just it's on. It's, yeah, on. it's going into high gear. That's right. So for next week, we're going to... No, I just have to say, I think I said this... I don't remember if this is on podcast, but season three was basically the only season of Babylon 5 that wasn't the first one where they didn't know how to write a show, the one where they had to introduce a major new character unexpectedly, the one that they had to rush and finish the show because they were going to be canceled, or the one that they had to write out of nothing because they finished the show early. So this was the only season 
that I think they started and they finished knowing this will be exactly how the season will be, regardless of whether we're canceled or not. And I think it's probably one of the stronger seasons of the show. And it's just, yeah, absolutely. This is, I agree with that. There's been very few weak episodes. I love even, even few, I think there's been a lot of really, really good episodes. And then there's been a few, you know, not quite as good, but there haven't been a lot of like average or below average episodes. Yeah, no, it is. You can love the end of a story, but you can also love the middle of the story. We're at the middle of the story. And I love the middle of the story. So this this, middle story is the best part sometimes. Yeah, this is right Mm -hmm. where we are now. This is like interludes, I think, or the one before it was the was the middle of the exact series. I mean, this is this is this is great stuff. So next week we're going to start with Walkabout, the next episode back, and we're going to conclude with the season finale, Zaha Doom. Now I wonder what happens in that one. I don't know. I think they all just start to learn how to croquet. I mean, I just don't know if there's really anything going on there. There's no real behind the scenes stuff. I mean, I think after. I think there was actually a break right before Walkabout came back. No, know what there was? Every season, they held back the last two episodes. For whatever reason, there was something they had to air in the... They all aired in the UK first, but there was, a, like, the worst part of the series to have a break. There was, like, an extended break, I remember. So we were all, like, pretending we were British because we wanted to know what would happen. Walkabout, Grey 17 is missing, and The Rock cried out, no hiding place, shadow dancing, and Zahadu. And let me tell you this. JMS has personally said he wants to walk walk to everyone's house and apologize for Grey 17 is missing. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> and when you watch it, you're like, it, it's definitely nothing like any of the other episodes around it. Brian. Yes. Is the rest of it good? Am I going to like the rest of it? The re- Brian, okay. death roll. No, the, the episode itself, it's the weakest episode probably of season three and season four. It's, it's probably the low point. It has probably the best secondary plot of any episode of, of those two seasons. So the fact it's the weakest one and it's also one of my favorites parts of it is a good sign. Okay, what do you think, Death Because your 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 rundown was accurate before. Let's see if you can do it again. Let's yeah, do it again. let's get it on tape. Oh, Tell me God. What- well, I think you may like Walkabout. Okay. Uh, how Some do you feel about endorsements? <laughs> well, well, no, I'm not sure how PS feels about Dr. Franklin as a character. So he's not really great. He's not really bad either. I mean, like I, I tolerate him, but he, he's okay. not. I think she'll be if- he does have some very good acting in the episode. I will say mm-hmm. that. I think she'll be iffy on walkabout. Gray 17 is missing. I think she'll. Uh, like yeah. Is this Michael. one of those things? Because you're now invoking the Ryan and Peach as her opposites rules. No, no, no. There's Michael going off to do something, and he does something pretty significant. So I think you'll enjoy Grey 17 is Missing. I think she'll like The Rock, The Rock Cried Out. The Rock Cried Out, No Hiding Place. I think she'll as well. Shadow Dancing. I think she'll like Shadow Dancing and Zaha I think they're both very cool. Honestly, the rest of the season. Lots of liking. Good. I like liking things. Well, they're very... I, I am pleased that you are pleased. Yeah, I think they're all very solid episodes. Like I said, Grey 17 has a stupid primary blob, but I think the episode itself is, is really good, too. So hopefully none of us will be sick next week, and hopefully Cog's son, uh, David, is enjoying listening to this episode as it airs live in the limo on the way to his high school prom. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll edit some more episodes. No, it's all right. I get the next one. I'll edit one. Ryan? 
Why are you yelling at me? Because I haven't you edited could. one. Yes, you have. Because Death Roll and I were talking about this last night, and I went to edit one. Okay. You go, girl. She was fun. complaining that you said you wanted to try editing another one, and you never sent her a file. Oh, it's always I have to send Yes, it, it is, right? actually. Oh, I do have to do that? Okay. Well, pick. tell me what episode you want, and I'll send it to you. So, I want, I, I'll take whichever one isn't being done. I mean, I don't really care. So, uh, with that, with the Puffer Exchange, and uh, we'll see you back in two episodes for the end of Season 3 of Babylon 5. Have a good night. Awesome. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.